All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Starcade Media Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 195, Full Swing, Full Motion. We are so happy to be here with you and for you to be here with us, whether you are live streaming, whether you are podcasting, or whether you are YouTubing. We want to appreciate and thank you so much for the time that you give us because, man, we have a fun-filled, packed episode for you guys today. Uh, First and foremost, we want to thank our producer, Clay Windler, for doing all the hard work he's been doing. He's been putting together a badass Red Tribe Cinema video again this year i know you guys are mostly most of all you guys are priority a follower of his but if you've not doing that done that go ahead and change that today and go subscribe to the red tribe cinema page as well on youtube also go to our starcade media our umbrella company that's been uh, so supportive of us man we have a lot of great shows at the starcade media uh outlet if you will they have so many good shows both chiefs related sports in general uh related they have a lot of other things to offer as well definitely go and check out starcade media and starcademedia.com i also want to give out a little shout out to the mahomes family if you have not seen it and maybe you've not heard they've actually uh, Patrick and Brittany have given uh, birth to their their first son and their second child uh, Patrick bronze Levon Mahomes it is really good to see that happen man it's good so cool to see when that when Patrick first got drafted here how it was just him and Brittany and now they have this whole little group this little family together man it's it's really good to see I got to talk to Pat senior about it a little bit this week and everybody's just really excited about having a, a little guy in the house and a little guy in the family to add to the collection because that Mahomes family's big and they're great people and I just wanted to send out that little congratulations. If you've not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, we would love it very much if you hit up uh, our YouTube channel and just subscribed. Hit the notification button as well so whenever you guys get whenever we drop a new video, a new uh, episode you guys are able to get that. We would very much appreciate that as well. Uh, we got, man, we got a lot to get to, man. We got the Eddie Hour to get to. We got some Week 13 NFL picks to get to. Uh, we're going to get to the Chiefs and Bengals. What we think about this matchup, which could be the matchup of the season for both the Chiefs, the Bengals, and maybe the best game of the season for the NFL as a whole. This is an incredibly stacked Week 13 slate for the NFL. This might be the best week of NFL matchups, man. It's it's going to be a really good one. It's going to be a really tough week to pick some games, and we've got a lot to get to when it comes to that. We're also going to be handing out some L's at the end of the show like we do each and every week. But let's start right here when it comes to what took place just a week ago, Chiefs versus Rams at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, I think we all knew that the well, I think we we all knew that the Chiefs were going to win this game and they were going to win it soundly. I was expecting a little bit more of a I wouldn't say a better approach, but just more fluidity because the Chiefs came out and they looked really good offensively. They scored a touchdown and looked like it was going to be a really easy game. I think it was on their second drive and. I, I thought that the Chiefs just showed, okay, we're going to win this game, we're going to win this game quickly, and we're going to get our starters out. Unfortunately, the problem is is that the Chiefs went out there and decided to experiment with some things and also keep some things normal when they shouldn't be 
any longer in the equation of what the Chiefs are doing as a collective. We talk about how three phases of the game, our guy JD, Jason Dunn from the Chief Concern Podcast, former Chief, always talks about how all three phases matter so much and equally at times than the other two. And special teams, once again, reared its ugly head for the Chiefs. And I want to start with the negatives and work to the positive because there was a lot of both in this matchup in particular. And then we want to, we got to start right where it began. Special teams. Chiefs force a punt, the first drive of the Rams. Dave Tobe decides to put Sky Moore back there again to return punts, and we know how that has gone all season long. And what do you know? Sky Moore lets the ball go right through his arms. Rams get the ball, I believe it was on their, their 20-yard line. And they have an opportunity to take the lead. Regardless of how that, that changed or what, what ended up take, taking place because of that, because obviously the Chiefs never really felt threatened. The Chiefs had the lead the entire game. It didn't really matter. Regardless of that, though, Dave Tobe is continuously putting his team in a situation of failure. And Dave Tobe has been known for a long, long time as maybe the best special teams coach in the entire NFL, at least since he's been here with Andy Reid. And that's been since the beginning in 2013. And Andy Reid and Dave Tobe have had over 40 combined years of coaching experience in the NFL. Yet, for whatever reason, they cannot figure out that Sky Moore is not a punt returner. Now, Sky Moore did show very quickly afterwards, after muffing that punt, that this guy is a receiver. He is meant to be a guy that goes out there in the slot, wide out, creates space with his feet, and goes up and gets the ball at the high point like he did on his first reception of this game. And he ended up having, I think, five catches for the game. He's meant to be a receiver. This guy does not have that dual ability to be a receiver and a punt returner. Some guys have it. McCall Hardman's that guy. Antonio Brown was that guy. Tyreek Hill was that guy. Cordero Patterson's that guy. A lot of these guys have those abilities to, to be special teamers and offensive players. That's not Sky Moore's skill set. We know that. Everybody knows that. Except Dave Tobe and Andy Reid for some damn reason. And it wasn't until his third muff punt of the season that the Chiefs decided to move Sky Moore off of special team, off of punt returns. But even with that, Dave Tobe says at practice this week he's not giving up on Sky Moore as a punt returner because he doesn't, quote, give up on players. Well, that's real nice, Dave, but that doesn't help the team because you're putting them in a position to fail. Because if this is to happen against a team like, I don't know, say the Bengals or say a playoff game, and it's a tight game, and they get a scoring drive because of it, and you lose a playoff game because of it, is that worth it? Is the nobility of not giving up on a player matter more? It isn't about giving up on a player. It's about giving up on what you're doing with a player. That's what that's what Dave Tobe has to learn. And if he can't get that, then I would heavily consider that maybe Dave Tobe considers retirement because the game the game has clearly passed him by if he doesn't understand how to adjust. I understand that that uh, that the Kadarius Tony and McCole Harmon are down with injuries right now, but there are other guys on this team that can return punts. And as I expressed on the Chief Concern podcast this week, you don't need a guy that's going to go out there and Dante Hall a ball. You don't need a guy that's going to go out there and Tyreek Hill a ball on a punt return. You just need a guy that can fair catch the damn ball and get Patrick Mahomes on the damn field because this is the best offense in football. You don't need a guy that's going to go house one. Is it nice to have that? Sure. But you don't need to have that when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. I just think it's ridiculous that Dave Tobe continues to put Sky Moore in that position. I don't think that's Sky Moore's fault. It's just not what he's good at. It's not his skill set. It's not his strength. So stop putting him in that position. Stop putting the team in that position. Moving forward, like I said, the Chiefs were very ho-hum on offense in this game. And it's so funny, too, because despite the fact they only went 5-for-11 on third down, uh, they were 1-for-6 in the, in, the, in the red zone, 
Uh, they can they allowed the Rams to convert all three of their fourth down conversions. Yet the Chiefs win by 16, and they had their fifth consecutive victory and their fifth straight game with 400 plus yards of offense. So I don't know if there was a lot to really take away from this game schematically because I think the Chiefs came into this game with the preseason playbook. They went in there and said, "All right, let's just let's run Isaiah Pacheco a bunch of times, run the clock down. We have a definitive, we have a definitive lead. Let's just get out of this game healthy and ready for the Bengals." And that's exactly what happened in that's this one. And that's actually a big positive. Yes, exactly. That's that's actually a great positive because, like I said, if this if the Chiefs would went down with a few key injuries going into this Bengals game in a meaningless game essentially against the Rams, that would have been a real big problem. But the Chiefs did get out healthy. I know Snead had a little bit of a concussion scare. He actually cleared, game, came back into the game. Uh, Joe Tooney didn't play in this game, which is actually a positive because Nick Allegretti came into this game against Aaron Donald on the left guard position and didn't allow a sack. In fact, Allegretti didn't give up a pressure in this game. So the offensive line, despite the fact they lost their best guard in Joe Tooney for this one, a guy that's never missed a game in his entire career, they didn't miss a beat. The offensive line looked really good. They gave up some pressures here and there, but that's because the Rams have a better defense than a lot of people like to give them, and quite frankly, better than their record indicates. A lot of people think the Rams' defense is, is garbage. No, they've been soft at times. They've been pushed around at times in the secondary, but Aaron Donald, up to, until he got the high ankle injury in this game, him and Leonard Floyd and these guys were still getting to quarterbacks. They were still creating pressures, still getting sacks. They were still playing at a high level and the offensive line answered the call when you lose a guy in the middle of in your interior offensive line and you don't miss a beat that's high praise to Nick Allegretti and the guys for doing what they did and took care of business so a lot of positives on the offensive side special teams still scares the shit out of me but I will say a positive note for the special teams Harrison Butker is 7 for 7 in his last 7 field goal attempts and 5 for 5 in his PATs so as much as we talk about his worries about man he's missing these easy chip shots he's you know it looks like he's in his own head is that ankle still messing with him he's been nails for the last two weeks and I think Harrison's going to build on that as the season continues to go and as the season continues to progress into the playoffs. I, I have full confidence in Harrison Bucker, one of the most accurate kickers in the history of the NFL. I'm not losing confidence in him. Just continue to do your job and everything will go just fine. Defensively, it's hard to really give the Chiefs a ton of praise for being able to contain a guy like Bryce Perkins who's never played a game in the NFL or never started a game in the NFL and just looked very limited, especially when you don't even have Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, or any of these other spe- these other key players on the offensive side. Your offensive line's abysmal. You lost offensive line players in this game. Uh, I'm going to give the Chiefs respect and credit for what they did on the offensive, uh, the defensive side, but I think this is a game that just that was just simply just let's get some reps in. Let's keep our guys healthy. Let's keep them in rhythm, and let's get into this Bengals game on the road. Let's stay healthy, and I think that's what happened in this one. But I will say it was great to see George Karloftis get that sack. I absolutely love seeing George Karloftis get that sack because I think that's a great confidence boost for him to get into a game against a great quarterback like Joe Burrow the very following week. That's a nice little confidence boost. Um, I think that Nick Bolton continues to show why he's special in this defense with all the tackles he continues to make. And I just I just love seeing this, this unit to continue to grow from the young guys to the veteran guys. You see it all the way from the top to bottom where you see Chris Jones leading the way, you see Justin Reed leading the way, and then you see these young guys really starting to acclimate themselves. Trent McDuffie out there getting reps and being able to lock the guy that's, that's on his side of the ball down every single week. It's been incredible to see the growth that McDuffie's had. He's going to have growing pains. Uh, I know against the Jaguars, he gave up a few receptions. Trevor Lawrence got a couple good balls on him. That's going to happen, especially for a young guy. But I love what I've seen from Trent McDuffie. I love what 
I've seen from Josh Williams and Jalen Watson. I love what I'm seeing from these young dudes. And Legereus Sneed, guys, if if the Chiefs could extend him today, I would I would I would donate money to it because he's a guy. I know the Chiefs have been so good at drafting cornerbacks uh, uh, late in the rounds and then going and getting undrafted free agents like Shervarius Warden trades. So I understand they can always replace guys, but Legereus Sneed to me is a special player. It's be an interesting offseason. And I would really like to see them give him a contract extension because he's only 25 years old. He's going to want the bag, and I think with the money that the Chiefs are going to have this offseason, he's a guy that Chiefs have to have at the top of their priority list, along with Chris Jones and other guys that we can talk about at that time when it's more relevant. But, yeah, Jesus. But I but I do think the Legereus needs a guy that Chiefs really need to heavily consider paying because he's a fourth-round pick. He didn't make a lot of money in these these first three, four years. I'd really like to see him stay continue his career in Kansas City because he's been a great player. But all in all, like I said, I am worried about special teams. I think that there's a, a real legitimate concern at, at, with Dave Tobin his some of his decision-making he's been doing uh, as of late. But overall, this was a very ho-hum game, a very, a very methodical game. The Chiefs got out healthy, did what they needed to do to get, get a victory. They actually covered the spread, which is something that's been very shocking of late because when the Chiefs have had big big uh, point margins, they've been heavy favorites. They haven't covered. They actually covered this one for people that actually matter, that actually care about that stuff. So a lot of positives to take away from this one. The biggest one is the Chiefs got away with a W and continue to hold on to that one seed and the AFC West lead by a wide margin. Trevor, what were your takeaways from this one uh, for the Chiefs and Rams? Well, yeah, I mean, and to quickly address the Dave Tobe and the special team stuff, I believe they've already announced that Justin Watson will be the punt returner. So totally good with that. Yeah, McDuffie did return in, in right, college, right? So I think that you can you can you can you can listen to what Dave Tobe's saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on what he's doing. So mm-hmm. the move's already been made, um, and it's not and it's not uh, uh, Sky Moore's fault at all. This situation no. they've been putting him back there. At a position he's not comfortable in. Yes. You know, and Andy Reid's always been praised, and, and Dave Tubbs always been praised for putting guys, uh, you know, getting the best out of the guys and, and, you know, leaning into their skill sets. That's just not Sky Moore's skill set as of now. He could grow into a great punt returner because uh, he's got, with well, the balls in his hands, he's very great, you know, but you got to catch the ball first. So that's, he's just got to focus on getting the, uh, the spin of the ball, how the ball's spinning, how to catch the ball, because there is a technique to that. You got to learn. He just doesn't have that yet. So Justin Watson being the guy for now moving forward, I'm much more comfortable with at least just getting the, you know, to catch the ball. Um, and that boy's got speed too. He's not he doesn't have nearly the the wiggle, but he's he's got some good speed, so he can make some things happen. I'm sure. But yeah, so that's there. That's that. Um, as far as the game, there's really not. It was a pretty vanilla game as far as the offensive offensive side goes. We didn't put much on film. Uh, we were we we're still down a couple guys, so we didn't have a couple. You know, the the gadgety things we can do from a Cole. And um, I was I was happy to see Sky Moore get more opportunity more opportunity each week as he's had this uh, chance to fill in um, and get more snaps and be out on the field more so I, I feel like he's taking advantage of that and he's looking good um, you know Juju got Juju back on the field I, I knew I had a feeling we weren't going to give him much he was, he was more of a decoy most of the night uh, when he was on the field he wasn't on the field that much but when he was he wasn't getting too much attention I think we're trying to slowly ease him back didn't want him to take another hit uh, you know, and, and re-aggravate whatever uh, concussion symptoms he might have had leading into the game, um, if any at all. Um, not much to discuss in this game, man. I, I, I was glad I, I had George Karloftis as my defensive guy uh, for this game. He got his sack, finally. I was really, really happy to see that. That that stoked me up pretty good. Yeah. Um, especially, like you said, leading into this Bengals game, 
um, having that kind of hype and that kind of motivation, that kind of confidence heading into this game uh, against a quarterback that likes to hold on the ball a little too long uh, and getting him down is the key to this game. Uh, so having him motivated like that and getting that juice uh, flowing for George is huge, along with the other guys. You know, if he's hyped up, all the other guys will be hyped up as well, and that's just a great combination and great timing. So I was really happy to see that. Nick Bolton with another pick. I mean, back-to-back weeks with a pick. Yeah. Um, happy for that guy, man. <laughs> um, just an opportunistic player, a guy that's in the right place at the right time. Overall defensive, I mean, uh, granted, we weren't going against the best offense here, but a lot of inexperience in that Rams offensive side with a lot of guys down. Uh, but our defense did what they did. They, like as Patrick Mahomes would say, they closed the they closed the fucking door, um, and I love seeing that. Um, but yeah, offensively, man, there wasn't much to talk about here. Um, Pacheco still still is looking great week by week. I mean, the, the kid uh, uh, just runs so angrily. Every time he gets the ball, he just goes. Yeah, I, I think that's the perfect running back for this offense too. I think you give the he's not indecisive. Or, you know, he, he he when he grabs the ball, he knows where he's going. If it's the wrong hole, every once in a while, it's the wrong hole, <laughs> wrong gap. You know what I mean? So uh, that can be taken in a yeah, lot of yeah, different ways. Hey, <laughs> we've all been there. Um, but uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I like the way he when he gets the rock, he just goes. You know what I mean? And he's hard to bring down. You know what I mean? He he he's always moving forward. He has dangerous speed when he sees a gap. When he sees a gap and he's hitting that gap, man, it's, it, it, the speed's dangerous. That kid can move really, really quick. So I'm, and we, he, caught, he caught a nice little uh, uh, inside slant route, which was nice to see him do. He looked yep. really good at doing it too. That's scary, you know, for defenses to see that on film. Um, so if he continues to do that, and that's that could be another, you know, tool in the belt for this offense, especially if McKinney can't go this week. Um, so yeah, that was my highlight player of the offense. I, I like what I've seen on Pacheco moving forward. He looks great. Um, yeah, not much, man. Pat threw a nasty little interception in the end zone, which was unacceptable. <laughs> Don't know where he was going with that ball. That was a strange one. That was the only like, like yeah, that was the only like weird. I, I feel like he was like wanting to throw it in the dirt, but like almost like oh, he kind of saw Pat like Kelsey for a second, like oh, he might break break open. He kind of undecidedly threw the ball like in between both. Yeah, he talked and about it went that. right to the defender, yeah. and I was like, yeah, that just looked like he was just, he was indec- like, not deciding on what he wanted to do there, and he just kind of got caught in between the thoughts. And just threw the ball right to the defender. It was <laughs> me and Lance were just like sitting there when we watched it live. We're like, "What the, f- the fuck just happened? Yeah, like, how do you throw it right to the defender?" Yeah, it was bad. So outside of that, the game was smooth. We just we were we were really you can tell we like I said leading into this game preview, uh, we were just gonna get in, get out, trying not to. I'm glad Snead didn't get hurt, hurt because for a second he went out. I thought he was down for a minute. I'm glad he's okay. Outside of that, everyone was okay. Um, Got to be healthy for this game coming up, man. So. Overall, good game. Got it uh, cover covered the spread, like Lance said. Uh, could have slaughtered these guys, but we just went in there and got in, got out, and wham, bam, thank you, man. So, yeah, uh, <clears throat> I love I love what what Patrick said towards the end of the game while he was heading to the to the to get interviewed by uh, what's your name, uh, the one that does the field interviews. Oh, for uh, uh, for was it uh, for CBS? Oh, it was Pam, not Pam Oliver, but uh, J- Tracy Wolfson. Okay, yeah, when he was, and, and she was like, before you got here, it's like you said ugly. It's like you won by like double digit. Yeah. And it was a comfortable win. If you really go back and look at it, it's, the Chiefs never really like looked like they were going to lose the game. I mean, yes, it was close to begin with, but you never lost any kind of, they never gave you any kind of sign that says like, oh, we might fucking lose this game. You know what I mean? And, and I love how we saw the we saw the game and it was it was ugly. I'm gonna say it was an ugly, ugly uh, victory for the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. You can sit here and, and say we well, we won by 16, 
that's fine and dandy, but on third downs we were we were terrible on the red zone, which is one of our strengths. Which I think we were the best team going into this yeah. into this game in the red zone with like seventy two percent of uh, uh, scoring. Yeah. So, and then you come out to I think it was one in five, one for five in the red zone this uh, this game. So. We were struggling offensively, and for Patrick Mahomes to acknowledge that, even in a blowout, tells you that this team is uh, takes accountability regardless of the situation. They're never and I, satisfied. And I love that. Yeah. I love that because this, this only tells me that this team is hungry for more and hungry, hungry, hungry. And that's what we need from this team. And and we're, we're getting that every single week. Yeah, you can look back and say, well, we lost to the Colts. That's week, what, week two, week three? I can't remember. That was week three. Week three. It, but it was still, a long time. It was a long time. Early, early in the season, we were yeah. still, we were still, it's a brand new offense. We were still learning. You know, it was our first, first official, like, first uh, tough game. No Harrison Butker. No Harrison Butker. Raps didn't know so, sack was at the time. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> the people yeah. can't talk to each other. Yeah, you can't talk, talk to the quarterback. And then, obviously, with the with the field goal, the field goal kicker missing uh, a couple field goals in that Travis game. Travis Kelsey drops a touchdown. Exactly. So, yeah. the the, the trajectory that this team has come from then to now is amazing, and it's it's only growing. And I love how this team, like I said, on a blowout, is still not satisfied. Uh, the defense played a, an amazing game. Obviously, the Rams were banged up in every aspect, uh, at the offensive line, the quarterback, the receivers. But at the same time, when you don't have film on somebody, that, that can be a, a – a bad thing because you don't know what they're what what they're what they're gonna do or whatnot. But they they were able to handle it, handle all uh, the offense struggling and going out there making plays. Uh, I like I, I love that I love how how Snead, uh, you know, coming in, in that blitz packages whatever he does that corner blitz for for Snead is all over the we place. We should we should fucking do that all the time. <laughs> I right. love I love when he comes in, and, and because he disguises it so well, it's like because. You see plays where he he doesn't blitz, but it looks like he's gonna blitz. So the, the, he throws the quarterback off, like when they actually do blitz, because you're like, oh, he's just gonna drop back. But he doesn't, and he just comes in and fucking pressures the quarterback. Yeah. So I love I love that. It was a little scared uh, when when Snead went down. I was like, fuck. It was like probably it looked like a, a concussion because he was like holding his head mm-hmm. or whatever. He was on the ground just laying there like. So it was a little scary. Uh, Juju finally came back, um, and, and and I I like how we didn't we didn't put him out there and became our number one target. You know what I mean? Like I like how we just kind of like eased him in back into yeah. football. It wasn't kind of like you're gonna bang 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 bang. No, he caught a couple plays out there, and he he caught one for was it like 15 yards or I can't remember. He had th- I think he had three straight receptions on one drive. Yeah. So, so yeah, you saw them getting him in the rhythm. Yeah, so and he was getting back into the rhythm. You saw him being comfortable out in that field and that's what you like to see especially heading into this kind of game uh this weekend. So seeing that, seeing seeing Sky Moore become more of a weapon for Pat is is amazing to see. He's is starting to get comfortable with his offense. He's starting to learn the playbook. Yeah. He's starting to to learn the routes that that he should be doing. And Patrick Mahomes is starting to look more his way because he has quick hands. He has quick hands. When Patrick Mahomes throws a bullet, he's always catching those balls. So I love I love seeing that from Sky Moore. Isaiah Pacheco, man, his energy. I his energy is amazing. I don't think there's any other player in this team with that same kind of energy that he has. 
when he gets a one yard gain, he comes out. He's like, he's the first one up. And he's yeah. like, he's ready for the next yeah. play. I was like, I fucking love that. And when he gets, when he gets that big hit, I think he got that big hit when. Uh, he got laid out. Yeah, he got laid out. I think it was like second or third got quarter. Right I can't remember. No, I think that was he, the fourth quarter. Yeah, when he got rocked back. That motherfucker just got up and got shook right up. Wiry just, dude, man. He's I love big too. He's yeah. not, he's not I love he's I love dude. that energy from Pacheco. And I love how the team has finally decided that Pacheco is their yeah. starter and they're starting to make plays for Pacheco. They're designing plays for Pacheco. I love how we're doing that. And this team should stick to that. Should stick to one receiver. We can't we can't do this running back by committee and go back to what wasn't working in the beginning. I love how we made one starter and since then since uh, I think since they named Isaiah Pacheco the starter this team has started to slowly starting to, to to get the running game going and being able to to open that that defense up because you don't now the defenses don't know if they're going to run the ball or they're going to pass the ball so I love how the Chiefs are starting to do that with Isaiah Pacheco and I think Isaiah Pacheco is making it easier on Andy Reid and the offensive and, and the offense to, to kind of decide now what to play. Either do we want to run or do we want to pass play? So I like how... That's a good problem to have. Yeah, I like how Isaiah Pacheco is starting to give that to this offense and and how this offense is willing to let Pacheco do his thing. Even though he fumbled, I think it was last week, or uh, the Chargers game. Mm-hmm. I like how the, the very carry, next play... I mean. Yeah, I love how like the very next play they gave him the ball again. They yeah. gave... You know, they keep trusting him. So I, ho- I hope they just keep letting Pacheco cook, do his thing. Keep give, giving them snaps, and, and yeah, I, I like where this team's going. Absolutely. I, I'm going to respond to a couple things you guys said, or at least you know add to what you guys are saying, and we can move on here. Um, something you said, Trevor, about you know I, you pay attention to what Dave Tobe is doing, not necessarily what he's saying. I do agree. The problem though is that in previous weeks he has said that they were going to move off of Sky Moore, and then they put him right back out there. I know again because of injuries and things of that nature, but again, to the basics of it. Just have a body back there that can just catch the damn ball or and understand the p- field position. And if it's behind them, they know it's going to go in the end zone. Have just have somebody back there that is that is that understands the situation. Because again, not to knock Skymore, because I agree with you 100. This is not Skymore's fault. It's not his oh, yeah. skill set. It's not what he's good at. So quit putting him in that position. That's all I'll say about that. So I agree with you. And if Justin Watson's back there this week, I feel so much better about that than Sky Moore. No offense to yeah. Sky, but I trust Justin Watson's ability to understand the situation, even though he's not your he's not quintessential punt returner. Justin Watson's not that yeah. guy. But I would rather him be back there because I know his hands are more trustworthy in that scenario. So that's all I'll say. When McColl's back, when Kadarius is back, we know who's going to be yeah, back there. And, and I think that's just just Dave Tope adjusting to the situation, like Trevor said, yeah. this is our, this are in-game injuries, so you have to adjust yeah. in the game. You can't you can't just have them practice on the sideline punt returns because that's not something you do. I'm sure le- weeks leading up to be kind to, of fun to watch though. Yeah, you, on the sidelines yeah. of returning punts. <laughs> Get a little distracted. Yeah. Throw some people off. Yeah. Man. Like, what the fuck is going on? Giving yeah. the fans, fans like they throw really high. Okay. Yeah. Give it to the second deck. Yeah. <laughs> just throw it up. Yeah. The nosebleeds. Just yeah. throw it up. I got tickets for the game in the punt section. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. but I, I, I like how he's adjusting as um, now. That obviously he's had a couple weeks to to work other guys. Mm-hmm. Obviously we know Trent McDuffie. He I think he returned. He said like yeah. uh, like nine punts in college. Yeah, that's not a that's not a big track record. That's not that, more that's than Sky Moore did. That's not that's <laughs> not sub, yeah. But at the same time, receivers you think they have good hands. And sure. So, I mean that's that's their job. So yeah, I, I I like how they're still working with Sky Moore and 
Because I, I think if they would have just taken him out and said, yeah, you, you fucking suck. I think that would have just taken him taken him down a little bit. Because yeah. the, the, the way players work nowadays is uh, if you just, like, take – this anyway, soccer, anyways. I'm, I'm, I'm a soccer guy. If you pretty much tell them, like, yeah, you suck, I'm taking you out. Their level of play just goes sure, down which is with why them. I love the fact and that I the love, first play was disguised more on that pass yeah, play. And, yeah, and to I get love, his confidence. Yeah, going. and I love and I love how Dave Topton uh, like immediately after the first game uh, where he like muffed the punt. I like how they work, keep working them. They're they're working them. They trust the guy. The problem though, Eddie, is what I'll say to that is with a team like the Chiefs that are built to win Super Bowls, you can't afford to be that experimental. If that makes sense, because of the fact if this if, if this was the Texans or a Jaguars team, up and coming team that looks like they got promise, I'm open minded to you experimenting with things in a, in a game scenario, even in games that are tighter, closer, early in the game. But when you're on a team like the Chiefs, that every game matters and seeding and confidence and everything like that, it's a little bit more difficult to sell people on that. That's all I'll say about that in regards. And so uh, that's that's the reason I wanted to bring that back up. And to your point, Eddie, about the ugliness of this game and how that's not acceptable, I am a hundred percent agreement because of the fact that even though this is a ho hum game and the end of the result is the result, so therefore we live with it and we move forward and actually I think there's a bright side to it and I'll get to it in just a second. I agree. I, I, I expect better. I don't want to see this team going 1-6 and six in the red zone. I don't care who the opposition is. There's no excuse for that. Mm-hmm. No excuse. You had six red zone trips and you got one touchdown out of that? You, you, that No way. Hell no. And Patrick Mahomes' throw was abysmal. I don't know what the hell. I know he said that he double-thought it and all this other stuff, and it didn't really cost them anything. Bro, you got to be better than that. I, I, I know he's going to get better from that. I know that's an experience he's going to learn from because that's just who he is. But that was just – Yeah, it was just like, what the hell, bro? We so were sharp all night. And yes. When you're not competing against teams and you're like you're afraid they could, they could take your cookies. Yes. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lack of edge yeah. there. And you got, you you're going to see the lack of edge. Right. The but also game. you got to put this out there. There's like the Rams red zone defense. Defense is probably one of the it's best. Good. Yeah, it it's good, yeah, it is good. It is legit. Yeah. But when, when Andy's out there putting Colin Saunders on, at tight end and they're having fun, it's like, yeah. How about we put the game away it's and, like and you get a couple well, touchdowns I, down, I, and then we and then uh, we talk about I that. I think the game was was pretty much done for me. Uh, I think that was the second quarter when yeah. they did that. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't like the game was over. No, it, was like, like, it wasn't over, but I think the Chiefs knew they were very confident. It's like, yeah, this game. If the if unless uh, their quarterback and their receivers become like you know like yeah. Randy Moss and Tom Brady, they, we're not gonna lose this game. Yeah, I, especially I, the yeah. way the defense was playing. I think the Chiefs were comfortable enough to, okay, let's not put enough on the on the on the on the on the film, so we can prepare for next. You know, do like Trevor said. I like his uh, his his view on it. It's like it's a more of a preseason playbook. Mm-hmm. I love that. Because you're not showing anything to the team that's coming up ahead, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So now they can't use, they can't use the film, but now they can't really look at that film and say it's like, oh fuck, they're gonna run the same plays because those are not typical plays that the Chiefs play. Right, and and and, and to that point, that's that was actually where I was segueing because you you guys mentioned that when it comes to Isaiah Pacheco and what he's bringing and and the balance of power to this offense, he managed somehow to in a game where half of the country was watching. He was able to take the limelight off of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in this one. Now, I I don't like necessarily how they used him at the end of the game, where they were just running him into his death. Like those, some of those hits he was taking, I felt like they were just really setting him up, and that was why I wanted to see more Rojo in this one. 
one. Well, I know, I know, but I, I, I'm saying keep him fresh for the rest of the season because even though he's young and wiry and very durable, he's barely got work all year. I, I get it. So. I'm yeah. saying, I'm saying he's. You're seeing he's the gradual workload start to stack a little bit. I don't want to see him get tired in week 18 going into the playoffs because they've been running him into these walls like he was getting ran, ran into. I, I get it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I liked what I saw from Rojo in this game, even though he had five yeah. touches. He, he averaged 6.8 yards per touch. Yeah, he had three rushes, didn't get much on the ground, but he had a 22-yard reception he caught in the flat. It wasn't like he caught a 22-yard ball in the air. Yeah. He was on the flat and created it with his feet. I like the versatility. This is why I've been pounding the table for Rojo to get his opportunities because I know this moment's not too big for him. He's a veteran. He's the most skilled running back on this team in my eyes, and I think he's getting an opportunity. But having said that, as much as I love Rojo, as much as I love Clyde, and as much as I respect Jarek McKinnon, this is clearly Isaiah Pacheco's job. This is He is the best running back overall on this team right now when it comes to fluidity, understanding the offense, knowing what is expected of him, and being a ground-and-pound physical running back like that. that. Yes, he's the perfect type of running back, because remember we loved Kareem Hunt, because yeah. Kareem Hunt was really good at catching the ball in the backfield. That was a strong asset of his. But something else he was great at was being able to break tackles, being physical, always being strong. Forward. Yes, always well, moving his feet forward. Yes, yes. big physical way. running back. Isaiah Pacheco was 5'11", or 210 pounds. That's, That's a big guy. running back. Yeah. So, I love the fact he was getting up and everything like that. I would have loved it if they just utilized Rojo more in that aspect at the end of the game because, like you guys said, we decide, this game was decided. Maybe protect Isaiah Pacheco a little bit from himself because of how aggressive he is and how much sometimes that can get you hurt, especially in a week before a game like the Bengals. So having said all those things, considering all that we saw from this game, I agree with what you guys are saying, and I actually think this game was the perfect perfect, perfect, perfect situation for the Chiefs before this Bengals matchup that we'll get to in a second because while the Bengals were out there thrashing with a tough physical team like the Titans on the road, the Chiefs had a game where, like I said, they just kind of eased their way into a victory at home against an inferior opponent and got to work on some of these things and have a frustrating performance overall in the red zone so they can work on these things before a big game like this because we know that teams in the NFL love to answer back. When they have a frustrating loss or a bad performance, the next week they bring it. The next week, they're more focused and more sharp. That's the perfect situation for the Chiefs in this situation against the Bengals like team again that had to play a tough game on the road against the Titans. Even though they did win, that was a that was a tough, rigorous one. And we know that they still have some issues with their offensive line and with their running back and Joe Mixon. We don't know if he's even going to play in this game. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Chase will be limited for sure. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be on a snap count. We'll talk. Game. We'll definitely talk about all that. But uh, but I just that's that's where we're at when it comes to the Chiefs Rams. If you guys have any takeaways or anything you want to add to the to the, the conversation. Hit us up on YouTube. Get in the chat on there on the comments. If we have any on here, I'm sure Eddie will see it, and we can make sure and bring that up, and we can do that throughout the entire show. Nevertheless, it is time for the Eddie Hour. I know that we had an unfortunate defeat for the U.S. soccer team, U.S. men's national team, against the Netherlands. The Netherlands won 3-1. to one. It, was a, it was a thrashing. Uh, I watched the entire match. It was rough to watch. I know that the U.S. played well, and they played aggressive in the beginning and the last 10 minutes or so of the first half, and even with that Netherlands, Netherlands just went out there and took care of business. Got to repay. Got to pay homage and respect to what Netherlands did. I'm sure Eddie's going to have some talks about that. The U.S. I think this is the seventh time they've gotten to the round of 16. The furthest they've ever gone was the third place finish. Uh, that was like 1930. It was like something way, way long ago. Yeah. So it's been a long time since the U.S. has really advanced past the stage they're at now. I'm proud of the guys for what they did, considering how young they were. I still felt like they left a lot of meat on the on the bone. They they could have played better today. I don't. 
know if I was necessarily expecting them to beat the Netherlands because the Netherlands is just a more veteran, better experienced team. I, I expected the Netherlands to squeak one out, but I was expecting it to be a little bit closer than what it was. The defense didn't really play well. This is the first time the U.S. has conceded two goals or more in a match this entire calendar year. Our offense is just not good enough. So, yeah, and Eddie's talked about that, about not having finishers right. and things of that nature. I think that's going to come We're with young. time. He's yes, be back, man. but that won't be the excuse next time yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. So they, they got to take this and run with it afterwards. Eddie, it is your time, your show, brother. You take over. All right, man, let's talk World Cup, man. Uh, we, we all know that's the number one thing going on right now. Uh, and then I, I do have a uh, – uh, let's go to the NBA question I have for you oh, guys. Oh, okay. Do you do you think that that Luka Doncic will succeed with the Dallas Mavericks, or do you think when his contract uh, obviously is up, he should look somewhere else? I think it really comes down to what Luke is looking for, because I think if he's gonna, if he if he wants to play in a place where he's going to be the the focal point, the fixture, the fixture of the franchise, no, no matter what is going on, whether they're winning, whether they're losing, I think Dallas is the perfect place for him because Mark Cuban is going to continue to elevate him. You saw the way he took care of Dirk. You saw the way that Dirk was just this legend in Dallas, even even in a city with the Cowboys being the main attraction. Dirk was this humongous figure in that area. I knew people from Dallas, and everybody loved Dirk. I think that's what Luka would be. He'd be Dirk Volume 2, if not a better overall player. So I think he'd be an even bigger star. I think he'd be an even bigger global star. But here's the problem. Even if you compare him to Dirk, the problem with Dirk is he only won one title. And that's the that's the thing that's always going to be hanging over people's head. Is Luka going to get that, you know, when he's in his 30s, he finally gets a title. He finally has that that perfect situation that takes place. So I think if Luka wants to win championships, he's going to have to leave Dallas. I don't think, as great as Mark Cuban is, as great as the as respectable as the Mavericks franchise has been, I don't know if they're the franchise that's going to get, that's going to get him the right pieces. I just don't know that because to this point, this is what, Luka's fifth year? And they haven't put together a championship team around him yet. That's five years to do that. So I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying that if I was gonna say, if I was gonna place my bet that if Luca was to go to the Lakers and play the next ten years there or stay in Dallas for the next ten years, which team he has more championships with, I'd pick the Lakers. Even though that is a franchise that is ran by two morons. I still have more confidence the Lakers will spend the money and go and get the attractive pieces because L.A. just naturally is a more attractive place to go to with the history of winning there. People would rather go there than Dallas naturally, even though Dallas is a humongous network and a humongous market. I would still think that the Lakers would find a way to get Luka more championships. But I do think I do think Luka is going to stay in Dallas. I think that's a place he's very happy. I do think that Mark Cuban's taking taking care of him. I think he's going to make a crap ton of money out there. And they're going to give him pieces good enough to get into the playoffs and have some runs, but it's got to happen soon, man, because before you know it, Luka's going to be 30, 31 years old, and he doesn't have the physical abilities like LeBron does that's going to take him, I think, deep into his 30s. He might still be a really good player, but I don't know if he's going to be a superstar player as long as LeBron is, because that's what makes LeBron special, is he has the IQ of a Luka Doncic, but the physical attributes of a Wilt Chamberlain, and that's that's what separates LeBron. I don't know if Luka's going to be a great player for 15 to 20 years. I think he'll have 10 to 12 really great seasons, but I don't know. So they're gonna. The time is not on the on the Mavericks side. They need to hurry up and get it done. But uh, I I do think he will be a Dallas Maverick for years to come. Yeah, I think he can absolutely win a ring in Dallas. Maybe multiple. I think he's that great of a player. They just got to figure out the roster around him. Losing Jalen Brunson was pretty big to the Knicks last year. This past offseason was a pretty big loss because he was a great second scorer for that offense. And then the transition from Porzingis, who couldn't stay healthy, but when he was on, 
was really good. They were a good duo together when he was healthy, but they he, they weren't. Then they just get, they just went and got Christian Wood this offseason, which it was a great acquisition, which I loved. And I think Will Will Grow is also another really young guy. I think he's only 23 uh, years old, a uh, guy that I think that could become a really good uh, role player for them. So. Um, I, lo- I love Luka in-, in Dallas. I think Dallas has the right setting. I think they're growing. I know he's been there for a few years already. They haven't done enough yet. But uh, I do like uh, uh, what they got going on there. I like the addition of Christian Wood. They drafted Josh Green, who hasn't done anything yet. He has not looked good yet. He might be a bust. Um, but they picked up Kimba Walker, I believe, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago. Trying to keep the tires on him, see if he could bring any kind of uh, he di- he doesn't have any extra offensive help right now outside of Christian Wood. Right. I mean, he got Hardaway. He was more of a defensive guy, a three and D kind of guy, and not like a create your own shot kind of guy. Um, but when the, this team's hitting their shots, uh, uh, he's he, you know has a LeBron effect where he can find guys and they're shooting their you know, shooting pockets, and when he can find their guys and they're hitting their shots, they're tough to beat. But they're currently even lower than my Kings on the ratings. Uh, you know, they're sitting t- in the, the 11th or 10th spot in the West. Um, granted, the West is pretty much wide open outside of the Suns kind of being the, the favorite right now, which they all, the Suns are always great during the regular season, but we all kind of know like they can crumble in the playoffs. But sure. um, I like I like them, man. I think if the, the even this season, I I know we haven't really discussed this, but the Mavs are my finals pick out of the Oof. West. You know, but it's a, long, it's a long season, man. And I think if they, if they get it going, I think Luka is that great. I think he's the MVP of the league right now, and I think – um, I think he will win a ring in Dallas. I think he will win possibly a couple. Um, I really like – I think Luka is the best player in the league right now. I do. I think he's the most talented guy and what he can do. And He just has a lackluster roster around him. You know, we've seen that with the likes of LeBron. We've seen that with, with Kobe and other players that have tried to do the best with what they had. And this is not there yet, but he's a young guy. He had a very he has a very young start to his career. You know, he's, he's the age of a lot of guys in their first or second year. You know what I mean? He came into this league, this league very young. Um, so, I, I 100% am sold on Luca and, and becoming a champion at some point uh, with the Mavericks. I don't see him going anywhere. I don't think Cuban <laughs> would allow that. I think they have a absolute solidified possibly face of the league after you know a couple of guys are gone. Uh, so Luca is 100% a gem, and uh, I think he's got multiple MVPs and championships in his future with Dallas. How can OKC help Shy Gilgis Alexander? Like, uh, that dude's incredible. Yeah, to. To I guess help them make the playoffs and and become become a, a c- competitive competitive team again like it was when Kevin Durant and Russell Russell Westbrook were were in OKC like what what does OKC have to do? <laughs> They'll never strike gold like that again. Well, yeah, that's 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 the whole thing. Is <laughs> that situation that you, they squandered that. The, shit. The, you answered right there. They have to draft guys like that. Like look, look at the Warriors. Why did the Warriors become a dynasty? Yeah, Kevin Durant helped them win a couple of those well, titles. That was in the middle they of got it. Lucky, I'm saying they drafted yeah, Steph Curry, they drafted Klay Thompson, they drafted Draymond Green, yeah, but you never know and then they put guys, that nucleus together. Hit. Exactly, yeah. that's what I'm saying. That that's always, the only that's way, in my opinion, um, that the Thunder could help Shea Gilders Alexander win anything of actual importance and relevance right. is if they go and draft, re recreate what they did 12 years ago. And I don't think that's going to happen. And that's the unfortunate side about the NBA is it's so, it's so star-driven, it's so superstar-driven, that if you don't have that, it's not going to matter. And Shea has become one of the best players in the NBA. Dude's player. become clutch. He's scoring at will. He's been a really good defender. I mean, it's just it's it's sad to see some of these guys get wasted away. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think that th- the Thunder will get back because they're ran by good, smart people. The problem, though, is... 
is sometimes good smart people become ultra conservative and worry more about what they they have than what they don't have that's what happened and not to bring it over to the chief side of things but i will for a second that's why the chiefs didn't win shit for 30 years because they were so fixated on worrying about losing fans than losing playoff games and then they realized oh Winning playoff games helps keep fans and get more fans in more popularity, more primetime games. You know what? Maybe we should take getting a quarterback seriously instead of getting retreads. So when it comes to the Thunder, hey, maybe we should focus on we got all these fucking draft picks. Maybe we should trade several of them to go get a superstar player yeah. because you're not going to go and just draft Kevin Durant again and Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka yeah, and James Harden. Like that don't that always doesn't how just happen. <laughs> yeah. It may happen every 10 to 15 years, but if you're insane. willing to bank on on wasting 10 years of Shea Gilgis Alexander's career on hoping for that Kevin Durant to come in a decade, then maybe you should go and be aggressive for or once if and quit playing so conservative. Yeah, or if you see a guy in that next draft, trade a couple of those first round future first round picks up to get that number one yeah. guy or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? But draft classes like that, dude, with Harden and all those guys, they don't just come around that like that. Just that happen. Those are like the the draft class with with D Wade, Mello, and all those guys. Yeah. Like that, that's one of those classes. The the Harden class was one of those classes. Those don't always happen. Uh, and then obviously the Warriors with getting you know Steph a year before and then getting Clay and all those guys to to finish that roster. It's very hard to hit like that, especially hit on multiple picks like that in the NBA. This is why dynasties are very rare. Uh, in the NBA outside of like accumulating guys for via free agency that's typically how a lot of the dynasties came together very rarely does it happen via draft picks uh, look at look at the Cavaliers okay yeah. before LeBron after LeBron yep. complete shit and when did it finally turn around oh they went and got Donovan Mitchell a superstar player mm -hmm. wow well, they did draft Garland and I get what I'm saying though like you had some yeah. good pieces you've drafted yeah. but then you go and get the guy that turns Mitchell it over turns piece. it around for yes sure, so you're sure. here's the thing about the Thunder they it's actually have that situation already set they already have their guy mm -hmm. like I think you can win around Shea my point well, is Giddy, you got, they're all young Giddy I like, yes, I like him a lot they, yeah. they gotta go get a couple veteran players they're gonna put them over the edge if you go get him a couple like per, like season like a Chris Middleton you add a Chris Middleton to that team you had a couple Bradley good Beal. defenders yeah you had a couple good defenders all of a sudden that's a team that wins 50 games they I'm not have, saying they're they going to win the title. Work to do, exactly. That that's is, my that point. But the, they already have the star player thing taken care of, whereas the Cavs are on the opposite end. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to do it the same way, just on the opposite end of things. I think it's pretty apparent that the, 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 that OKC is playing the long game here. They're not They're not, They're not. not really in any rush to make any kind of big moves. And, you know, SGA is so young still. He's still a young star in this league. He's 23. Right? You, you don't want to squander the young years, the yeah. elite years. Uh, but I, he's like one of those guys that's such a great one-on-one -on -one player. He needs... He can facilitate an offense and score in the 30s yeah. and 40s on a nightly basis. I hate to say it, but he's incredible. But he's got New York and LA written all over him. Like I, I do think that he oh, could he, he could definitely be one of those big markets. or something. Like that. I mean, granted, they already have yeah. their kind of their players in place, but he and, can go somewhere yeah. and absolutely put a team over the top. Right. Like if he went to the Lakers or if he went to these one of these guard needy, score needy kind of teams, he would 100. But I, he seems to be a guy that's sold on OKC. He loves being there. Fans love him. Obviously, they're uh, great. I mean, they're a great fan base. And that's the the only superstar we have, you know. Yeah, that's what we right. we have as a fan base. The, the the best player in the Midwest, you know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I'm OKC, I'm I'm continuing to play the long game too. I mean, you can. I don't know what moves you can really make. There's not a lot of. I mean, things can always break free in the in the NBA. Guys can always become available. Um, but you know, there's a lot of young guys. There's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of talented guys coming in these next couple of drafts. So I could see them trying to make some big moves here and build for the future, which I think is the smarter move. Because it doesn't, it doesn't. They haven't shown us anything that they're in win now mode. You know what I mean? There's a lot of teams that could try to like. Lakers had a multiple picks and they wanted to trade away because they have LeBron and AD right now. That makes sense. 
But in the NBA, it's faster than any other league. Yeah. You can flip shit around in, in one offseason. You can go and get one player, and it changes everything immediately. Unless, it can you, ha- unless you go get Paul George Kawhi or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Man, I feel like I was right about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, Kawhi's, don't mind Kawhi's, me. Kawhi's played like four games this year. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> his days of being a great player are done. They're all, remember, they're all talking about his offseason. His legs are all thick and big, and he looks strong. He's played like five games. I don't think, I don't think Kawhi Leonard loves basketball like people it's, think he does. Yeah, I feel like he's fleecing the shit yeah. out of him. He yeah, made his money. He's wild. chilling. He's living in L.A., man. Yeah, it's, and it's crazy because uh, according to this, uh, SGA is tied with Luka Doncic for yeah. most thirty-point games. He's, this. he's becoming he's becoming a superstar he's, player. He's the with only 15. show there. Yeah, yeah. With fifteen. Yeah, his usage rate is crazy, just like Luka's too. It's like. 45, 50 something percent. He's constantly. The league's in good hands with young yeah, stars, and they, man. And you, still, yeah. and you got Jay Mar- John, John Moran. We haven't even talked about him. Yeah. That's three. That Memphis team's players good too, bro. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox opened Sacktown. Like, oh, I mean, God. my God. they got We got young studs that, in this that, league, our man. team is legit. Don't even get me started. Yeah. Bonus is balling this year, too. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, man. Let's talk, let's talk uh, World Cup, and I'll let you guys uh, move, a, move, move along. <laughs> yeah, do your thing, man. All right. So, obviously, since last week, we've had. Uh, Match two and match three plays for each team, each country. Now we're in the, in the what you would call playoffs here in America, uh, the round of sixteen and World Cup, the knockout stage is what we call it in soccer, yep. football. Uh, <laughs> you said soccer for you, Peyton Manning. It's soccer. <laughs> uh, but and and uh, and a lot of the groups, it was a little shocking to see. Uh, I've seen teams that made it through, through like France, Brazil. And the uh, and teams alike, mm-hmm. they all they all took an L this uh, their last game, game three. Uh, obviously, resting a lot of their starters, and and you know just obviously just waiting for for the next round. To be honest, but that allowed other teams to to eliminate other teams in, in a pretty messed up messed up way. And I mean that's the way the World Cup works. It, it, it's it, it's always like that every four years. The game three. Uh, you have teams already through that don't play as hard that pretty much let let the other team win or draw depending on what they need to to advance or depending on on where <clears throat> where the uh, the team already qualified wants to finish in in the group if they want to finish with nine points take the take the whole group or if they want to take the L so they can take the easy way into the knockout into the knockout rounds you do that as well. Uh, they say that Brazil uh, might have did that so they could avoid uh, somebody else. It, it, it's just like that. It, it it happens. I mean, if you're if you're able to do it, you're gonna do it. You're always gonna take the easy route. If it, if if I lose and take second place, but that means I gotta play, um, I don't know, like let's say uh, uh, an Australia or something like that. I'm gonna take that route instead of playing friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's intelligent. Exactly. So a lot of a lot of people hate that. A lot. Of, it is what it is. It's part of the game. It's part of the World Cup. If you don't like it, then win win out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have your country win out. It is what it is. Uh, but it was fun. It was fun seeing uh, obviously teams. Uh, I think every group was still open up uh, for the last the last game, which was amazing because you had really 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 good games. Obviously, you had your Y versus Ghana, which was a, a win, and you're pretty much in for both of them. But then the impossible happened. Uh, Portugal ended up losing to South Korea, I believe. Yeah, and that ended up not, that ended up knocking out your Y and Ghana. And, yeah, and seeing so, Suarez crying and, like that was yeah, tough, it, it, man. It's crazy, and just like I mentioned before, is like 
you have those teams that are already qualified. Portugal, in this sense, who really wasn't, they really weren't scared to, to lose that position anymore. Uh, South Korea was going to take second place regardless of the scores, and nobody else in the other game could have taken over Portugal. So Portugal was set at first place. So, And, and that game is kind of like, I'm resting my starters. I'm yeah. going to put my bench in. Eh, we can lose this game. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. And look at that. It ended up affecting Uruguay and Ghana both. Obviously, Uruguay won, beat Ghana. All they needed was one more goal, and they didn't get it. Kind of like Mexico's situation. Mexico just needed one more goal, and they didn't get it. Which and I thought they were because they scored thought, too quick. And I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. shit. I was They're like, going to get yeah. like five goals today. Yeah, so I love when games go down to the last game because – yeah. The way the World Cup is, they play the games at the exact same time. So you don't have the, the those games where it's like, oh, they're already fucking lost in the morning. Oh, just let's just draw this game. It's like happening simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, let's just not attack. Yeah. And they're both just like passing the ball around the field. And yeah. it, it calls for boring-ass games. But I love how the World Cup does it to where both teams play at the exact same time. So you don't you're you don't know the outcome That's of the That's super genius. You man. don't know the yeah. outcome of the other game, you know what yeah. I mean? So you're still playing to you might already be eliminated, but you don't know the score. Right. You don't know. Right. So and you have still, to focus on your yeah. game. You can't so even you're like still keep tabs. going at it. You're right. still going at it. Yeah, you'll find out the score at halftime. But then again, one second half begins. You don't know what's going right. to happen till the 90th minute. So you have to give it your all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I love how that World Cup does that. Obviously, we we began knockout uh, knockout rounds today. They actually began today at 9 a.m. with the USA playing against the Netherlands. I never really believed in the USA beating the Netherlands. I even told Lance because uh, Lance was like, "Oh, you think we can beat them?" I was like, <laughs> I just kind of chuckled and says like, "No." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like I love the USA. Uh, I love what they're doing, but the USA is just not as competitive as the USA media is making it seem or made it seem. Uh, soccer fans, uh, people who follow the U.S., who follow uh, Mexico, who follow CONCACAF in general, we all know what these teams are capable of. You, you made a tweet earlier, though. I wanted to, I wanted to specify on that. Can you break this down? Because I don't want to read your tweet for you. But you did say something that I thought was really interesting, Eddie, in regards to CONCACAF and these matchups yes. that the U.S. is having. So now, your tweet I'll, I'll says... Read, oh, go ahead, I'll go ahead. Read, yeah. I'll read it to yeah. you. So it's like, I hope this league have to stop this nonsense of the Nations League. What the Nations League is, according to CONCACAF, is a tournament. It's kind of like what Europe did, which I don't know why... I, I get why we're following Europe, because Europe is obviously... They're successful in what they do. But yet again, Europe has more competitive countries. Europe has more competitiveness throughout the entire continent. The CONCACAF does not. Other than the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, there is literally no competition. Yeah, you can argue Costa Rica, Honduras. Outside of that, you have nobody. You have... I, I, like I, I, It's going to sound disrespectful, but I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. But you have Jamaica. You have the, the Caribbean islands. You have... You know, you have like El Salvador, yeah. Nicaragua, Panama. Really, yeah. the, the competition's not there. Right. right. And what the CONCACAF tried doing with like what they did uh, with the Nations League is elevate the level of play for the for the entire uh, region of CONCACAF region. That made it impossible for Mexico, USA, Canada to uh, to uh, how do you to schedule friendlies with. Uh, top tier uh, na- uh, nations like Argentina, like Brazil. Yeah, you still got them, but they didn't give. Uh, they they didn't bring like their best players, or 
you got them at, at uh, terrible times or teams just didn't want to play with you during right. that time because they either had their tournament beginning or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So this this affected the U.S., Mexico, and Canada in ways like you you, you can't believe. Uh, I hope this – every CONCACAF team is eliminated from the World Cup, uh, and I hope this only tells CONCACAF, like, shit, if we keep the Nations League and we keep the competition local, this is only going to down – it's like saying the cheese, the bills – and let's throw the Bengals in there. Three of three of the best AFC teams out there. You you play them against like uh, the Texans. Uh, I guess you could throw the Jaguars in there. Basically, it's not going to be competition. There's no yeah, competition. So, there. so you're just going to play them over. Let, let's say you just play them over yeah, and over and over again. Beat the shit out of them. Yeah, yeah. with their what, backup quarterbacks. With their yeah. <laughs> what, what what is that going to do for you? How is that going to elevate your level? Yeah. It's, it's not. not. It's, it's going to fool you. Gonna, it's yeah, actually going to hurt you into believing that you're yeah, better than what you are. Exactly. exactly. It's actually going to hurt you more because you think it's like, I'm destroying this fucking teams. But then you go play in Brazil, they fucking destroy you out there. They fucking demolish you. It's like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. We just came from winning 10-0 yeah. against, uh, against the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. What the fuck happened? Yep. The US, yeah. the U.S. is just obviously behind in the process of getting to where we need yeah. to be. And, and losing and, losing to a country that's the size of New York, the way that they just did, that should tell you how bad of the, how bad of a problem that yeah. Concacaf thing is. And, and I, I'm very upset at Concacaf, especially when they announced that whole Nations League and how they were going to pro, prohibit uh, USA, Mexico, and Canada to seek those uh, international games with yeah, like uh, with like European teams, South American teams, something that would help elevate the. The competition for the for these three countries. I get that you're trying to elevate the game of the other nations, but there's only so much you can do. You're literally hurting your best three countries, your best three teams, to succeed. You're not helping them at all. Yeah. So it, it's time for a change. It's time. It's time for something to happen. Allow them to play Copa America with the likes of Argentina, uh, Brazil. Uh, Ecuador. Because what you're saying is it's better that the, the, the U.S. and Canada and Mexico, well, and U.S. in particular, they go and get their, their cheeks clapped by a couple really great teams than them going and playing inferior opponents and beating the shit out of them. Yeah. It's, it's better for their development is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's better because let's say you start losing 5-0 against Brazil, but it's a four-year process for the World Cup. Then at the end of that process, you, you play Brazil again, you draw 1-1. You see what I mean? Like the comp, your level, your level of uh, as a player rises, and so, yeah, Concacaf needs to do something about that. Allow teams to play in in, in tournaments like the Copa America, mm-hmm. which, when Copa America was going around, Mexico was qualifying through the group stages like it was nothing. The U.S. was qualifying to World Cups and out of the group out of the group stages. It was allowing competition to grow in in the u.s and and mexico and we saw what happened with canada canada this last mm. uh, this last four years they became a nation that became a competitive nation but when they got to the world cup we saw what happened they didn't win one single game and they were supposedly the best team in Concacaf. yeah you know what i mean and and mexico was second place uh didn't qualify to the group stage usa was third place they qualified to the group stage but then they played an actual opponent they got destroyed so yeah Concacaf needs to do something about that if not this this shit's just gonna get worse and worse and in four years it's gonna be the same fucking thing it's probably even gonna be worse if they don't do anything about it 
Uh, a lot of people have hope on that. I don't, because if this shit continues, it's just going to be the same thing. Probably even worse next time. So, later today we have Argentina, Australia. I got Argentina winning this game. Mm-hmm. Australia is uh, kind of that dark horse in this tournament. They they ended up. Uh, this is the first time they advanced the the group believe, of sixteen I ever. Believe so. yeah, I believe so. Team, yeah. They they eliminated Denmark, which was huge upset. It's a huge upset for Denmark, especially the way they played in the Euros. This past uh, this past year with qualifying all the way I believe to the semifinals, uh, so it's crazy to see how Denmark fell apart and Australia took advantage of that, uh, and they took advantage advantage of that really well. Now they're playing Argentina today. Here in about fifty minutes, the game's gonna kick off. The winner of this game will actually face the winner of the Netherlands USA, which we know was Netherlands. So we could potentially see Argentina Netherlands, which is gonna be a great game. Uh, can't wait for that. Who'd you have in that one? Argentina Netherlands? Yeah. If it was to happen, Argentina all the yeah. way. Okay. Uh, Are you sticking with your Argentina? I'm sticking with okay. Argentina. Okay. I'm sticking with Argentina to win the World Cup. Um, then we have France-Poland. That's going to be a interesting game. I think France is going to dominate from mm. beginning to end. Uh, Poland is just not good competition. Well, they have to after that last game. France. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Um, well, France was, like I said, France was resting all its starters because they were already through. You're, you're expecting yeah. to see a much different France oh, in this one, yeah. We saw the first two games with their starters. France just yeah, looks... Bobby. I mean, they're defending yeah. champions for reasons, Exactly. Too. So, uh, Poland has no chance against France if France plays the way that they played. Obviously, the last game, you can say, well, they lost their last... Yeah, they lost their last... But it was all bench True. players. Uh, it was all rotational players that came in, uh, kind of giving that starters the, the rest that they need f- heading into the knockout because now you're going to play every three days. You know what I mean? So you're you're constantly playing. So I got friends winning that game. You got England versus Senegal. This is a toss-up for me. The way England's been playing this tournament is completely horrendous. I yeah. don't like it. Senegal's been playing some good Senegal ball, Senegal has been playing some good soccer. They are yeah. quick with the break. I think England is going to suffer with that. Uh, Senegal kind of has that same U.S. feel to it, where they're quick with their breakout. Uh, will dominate you. But I think Senegal, it's the, what the U.S. doesn't have, I think Senegal has, which is finish, finishers. Yeah. I think they're able to finish the, the plays a lot better than the U.S. is. So England, I think England's going to struggle this game if they play, play with the same with the same style they've been playing throughout the group stage. Yes, they made it through in first place, but obviously struggling. And and in in a group that they should have dominated and won every single game. Um, then we have Japan Croatia. Japan made it made it into the round of sixteen. That was a fun game. By, that uh, was a fun game. By beating uh, by beating Spain. Uh, Spain was technically out of the World Cup because of Costa Rica was beating Germany, which was insane to the see. The celebration for both teams at the end was so weird to watch. So Japan and Spain, yeah, because Spain found out like right yeah. at the end of the game, is they're yeah. celebrating and Japan's so, celebrating. So it was crazy <laughs> to see if if Costa Rica had won that game, both Spain and Germany would have been eliminated from that group, and crazy. Japan and Costa Rica would have. How wild would that have been? Two massive upsets like that, yeah. man. Obviously, Germany ended up uh, being eliminated. Uh, 
This it feels like the, the changing of the guard, doesn't it, Eddie? It's the second World Cup. Uh, it feels like in the changing a row. of the guard because yeah. Italy hadn't qualified last two World That's Cups. World Cup England's on the downhill. Germany's on the downhill. Belgium, Lukaku having the choke art. He should have had a, had a hat trick. Misses all three shots on yeah. goal. This is why yeah. it's the best opportunity for Messi to capitalize. Man, this is, I'm this telling is, you. This is the best opportunity for Brazil and, yeah. and, and Argentina. And Brazil looks so damn good, but their, yeah. de- their depth oh, is stupid. Brazil. Neymar ain't even playing. Uh, Brazil is just amazing. And I think they're gonna play with a little bit more motivation. I'll get to I'll get to that right mm-hmm. after the the the, uh, the breakdown. Obviously, uh, I got Croatia. I think beating Japan just nearly. I think Croatia would would do just enough to to beat Japan. I think Japan is is going in here motivated, uh, knowing that they beat Spain. Uh, they can very well beat Croatia. Don't get me wrong. They can very well go out there and and pull out pull out another ups, upset. But I think Croatia is gonna do just enough with the players like uh, Luka Modric. Uh, all these players that they have, I think they're going to do enough to advance maybe by one goal, but they're, they're going to do enough to win. Obviously, you got Brazil, South Korea. I got Brazil winning this game. I, I don't think South Korea has a chance to even be in the game. It's amazing South Korea has been this far into it, man, honestly, because yeah. I thought you had them out early I, I, in the group I did. stage. It's yeah. a great stage for them. So it's, yeah. it, it, it's tough, tough. Brazil. Uh, but I think I got, I got Brazil on that with a little extra motivation that they got today. Um, then you got Spain versus Morocco. This game, I don't know. This <laughs> game, they're the this truth, game bro. is Morocco has probably arguably the best running back in the world in Hakimi. <laughs> yeah. And then you got uh, Siyek, uh in in, in uh, as a, as a cam as a central forward uh, out there. I I think this game, the way Spain has been playing, this tells me Morocco might win this game. They could potentially very well Woo. win this game. It, this is a toss-up for me. I, I honestly don't know. It's a pick em. Yeah, with me here, like sitting right here looking at you guys, I I couldn't <laughs> tell you who's winning this game. I well, don't know. Well, if you know. look away from us, who do you think is going to win the game? Because you, if you look at us, you don't know. Yeah. Maybe if, if you I look, look away, away, I still won't know. <laughs> it, should, it should be Spain. <laughs> I'm picking, yeah. I mean, I was going to say I'm picking red, but they both wear red. Uh, <laughs> yellow. I see yellow. So I'm going with Spain on this one. I think I'm... <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I think this game. This is one of those games where it could potentially go to overtime and penalty kicks. This is this is gonna be a really really good game that you guys might really want to turn turn into. It's at 9 a.m. on Tuesday, and it's a game probably people don't want to miss. And then for the last for the last round of 16 game, we got Portugal versus Switzerland. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo's last walk up. It's gonna be a tough matchup for Portugal, but I think they match up very 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 well with Switzerland. I think. They can very well go out there and 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 win this game. Uh, I think they couldn't gotten a better opponent to face in this round. Uh, so I'm gonna pick Portugal in that game. So that's that's uh, that's the World Cup and how it's going right now. Round of 16s are going on right now. It started today. We got Argentina here in the next 15 minutes against Australia. That's gonna go on every day until I believe Tuesday, and then we take a break. From from World Cup for a couple of days and then back again on Friday. So uh, tune in. It's 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 getting very very interesting. This is this is like playoff baseball, playoff basketball, playoff football. This this is where Except you want on a to global watch. level. Yeah, this is where you actually want to watch the World Cup. This is some. This is where the World Cup actually begins. The fun begins now. So if if you haven't tuned in, tune in now because it's gonna be amazing. And uh, now that now that I'm talking talk, talk about the the World Cup, I'm gonna mention uh, why Brazil is gonna play with a little bit more motivation uh, because of the news that that the world got today. Um, 
very sad news, but <clears throat> it's gonna happen eventually. But uh, Pele, uh, his uh, his body is no longer uh, accepting uh, chemotherapy. Like his body, like chemotherapy is no longer working in his body. Mm-hmm. So um, he's has been put in, I guess you can say, kind of like a hospice kind of situation where. They're just gonna uh, facilitate his life, kind of uh, take the pain away with a lot of medication and and that. So the king of football is, uh, I guess you can say, you can say uh, on his deathbed near yeah. near his. Uh, How old is Pelé? <clears throat> I want to say he's probably in his seventies. Okay, because I knew he was super young back in was it the sixties when when he was dominating? I think it was the sixties yeah, or seventies. Yeah, yes, fifty sixties was when he was dominating. Um, and he's a all-time leading scorer for Brazil with yeah. 77 goals. Which is saying uh, something. That's like having the most home runs in Yankees history. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, he is. Oh, he's actually 82 years old. His lift alive. Yeah. The king of football. Uh, world-class players in the likes of Mbappe have posted a, on Fucking Twitter kind of saying, like, me. prayers uh, all yeah. prayers to the king, you know. Man, losing Bill Russell and Pele in the same year would it's, be nuts, man. He's not gone yet, but he's definitely on his way he's out. He's definitely on his way out. And I think, I think this is a motivation for Brazil. Uh, giving the King one more World Cup would uh, would definitely be the the best way, I guess, for, for somebody to go out. Yeah. And I wish nothing but the best to Pele, um, his family. Um, thoughts... Thoughts are with them. Uh, it's tough, especially if you're a soccer fan. Uh, even though we didn't grow up watching Pele, obviously he played in a much, much earlier era, kind of like mm-hmm. a, your grandparents probably watched Pele. But if you know soccer, you know who Pele is. You know who Pele was, uh, is, I mean. Uh, you know his career, what his career was uh, in World Cups. Uh, it, it, it's very, very sad news, but I think Brazil is going to take this as motivation to give the King one last World Cup, and it could could very, very, very well happen. Yeah, but, but that's it for me. Great, great, great breakdown, man. And I wish Pele and his family and everybody around him nothing but the best in this trying time, and that hopefully, when that time comes, uh, that he will be at peace and no pain. Uh, absolute legend, global legend, one of the greatest to ever kick a soccer ball. In the history of human history, so the king for a reason. yeah, he's the key. He's the king, man, and I, I pay pay homage to him. I didn't know that until you brought that up. So I, I wish him and his family nothing but the best in this trying time. And again, Eddie, thank you for breaking all this down, man, because this has been getting really exciting. Uh, I love the World Cup. I don't know the game as well as you do, or a lot of other people out there. But I, as a, as a as a casual fan of soccer, this is it's so great to watch I've, the world's best, I've man. Never seen Lance watch soccer in my life. Yeah, and then, since the World Cup started, I get back to the office like around two. I'm glued, he's, man. He has the World Cup playing. All I, I watch games. every game. I am <laughs> so obsessed, it's a, man. It's a, every every four years. It's a it's a holiday. Well, because this it's is a long holiday. Well, and, and here's the thing. Like you know, a lot of people are college fans, college football, college basketball. I like it. I don't love it. I love watching the best of the best. Oh, the That's World why Cup I'm a pro sports fan. Event, That's why we talk. We talk yeah. all pro sports here on this show predominantly because I, I like talking about the best of the best. I love watching the best of the best. So I watch NFL, NBA, MLB, soccer, world soccer, like the stuff. 
stuff where the best of the best are going at each well, other. The, I, world, the world's colliding. It's yeah, the world's best. And I, I, not not pa passing up on watching Messi or a Neymar or yeah, Lukaku yeah. or any of these other guys. Like, why in the world would I? I don't even care if I even if I didn't like soccer. You want to watch the best of the best do something. Uh, you know what's the name from England? Uh, uh, the, Harry, Kane. Gary, Harry Kane, thank you. Uh, it's watching these legends, man, do what they do. It's always such it's, an. I appreciate it, man. It's it's crazy. People don't understand how how selective the uh, uh, the World Cup is. Man, it is only uh, it only allow it used to only allow twenty three players, but after twenty twenty after twenty twenty the the whole pandemic and everything, they extended it to twenty six, and I think it's gonna be twenty six from now on, mm -hmm. and I think that's a great great. Uh, I think that's great. Uh, but only 26 soccer players per country are allowed in the world. That's Cup. so wild to think. Just think about that. Yeah. 26 play. Think about how many people in America play soccer. Oh, I mean, and only 26. You're made talking it. about probably 40, 50 million people yeah. easily. And only 26 made it. Yeah. So uh, when the national anthem hits in, in, in a World Cup, you see players crying. And you, as a soccer fan, you understand why they're crying. Because it is very, very, very hard to make it to a World Cup, and especially to to start the game, it's crazy. Yeah. Now you're talking about eleven. Yeah, you're eleven of the best in your country. It is fucking crazy. And, so and that's yeah. That even with the U.S. struggling the way they did today against a a better opponent in the Netherlands, it's still something impressive to see this young team right go out there. Yes, exactly. I think I think it's only going getting better for the U.S. I think oh, yeah. they'll continue this to get team, better. This team is still young. Like yes. I said, I think they were the second youngest team in the in the World Cup, and it's the youngest team they've ever had. Well, yeah. Not, what I love so. about it the most is. The state of Kansas is so invested. It's the, it's the it's basically becoming the mecca. Yeah, Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, soccer, yeah, soccer, yeah. Soccer, I think the state up, of yeah. Kansas was the most viewed uh, um, as far as World Cup views. Absolutely, was the most viewed state. Yeah, us the World Seattle, Cup. Kansas City, uh, FC Dallas, Kansas City as a as a yeah, metro is guess, the yeah. biggest mm -hmm. market in the U.S. Yeah. that watched the World Cup that yeah, watched the World Cup so far Especially with that Casey Current Stadium and yeah. all that stuff. It's legit. They, yeah, it, it's it, obviously with the World Cup selection. This has fans pumped up in Kansas City, and like you, like a, I would say I would call you a casual fan yeah, because absolutely. you don't watch, you don't yeah. watch soccer. You're watching the World Cup, and you're you're not gonna see this until another three and a half years. It, it's something unbelievable, something amazing. It's just an amazing feeling, just watching the best go at it. it it's like watching a multiple, I guess you can say, multiple Lakers. Playing each other like the '90s Lakers, the the '80s Lakers going yeah. at each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and seeing like uh, the 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 old old players like Suarez. This will probably be his last World that's, Cup. This is, Ochoa, Ochoa, Ochoa from uh, Mexico, one of the greatest yeah. goalies ever. This, I mean, hurts to, this, this yeah. hurts to say, but Cristiano Ronaldo's last World Cup. Yeah, Messi's probably last Messi's World too. Cup. Probably Messi's. It's, Messi would probably be. 39 yeah. heading into the last. He'll be in the MLS at that time. <laughs> Probably, but I don't think he'll be. I mean, he can still potentially make the World Cup, but I think Messi, he understands the assignment, and uh, he knows when he's going to be too old to play yeah. for the for the team, and he's going to step aside. And I think he knows that this is it for him. He think this is Chicharito's last? Yeah, he's 35. Yeah. I mean, he's 34. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, unless... He's not, yeah, I don't see it happening in another four years. You know, I I felt old uh, when when I watched Lukaku's breakdown at the end of that game, Belgium, and his coach Thierry Henry, because I watched Thierry Henry play, bro. Like, I felt old, and I was seeing him hug, and I'm like, yeah. God damn it, that's Thierry Henry as the coach. Like I watched this dude play like his entire career. This Thierry Henry. <laughs> 
<laughs> arguably France's best yeah. striker ever. Yeah, man. Um, so it, it it's amazing to see uh, just the world's best. It was amazing to see Ronaldo. Uh, what was it? Ronaldo, Kaká, uh, Roberto Carlos, and Romario. I think it was Romario, or no, it was, I think it was Cafu. Brazil, one of four of Brazil's top legends sitting right next to each other watching Brazil play, watching Neymar, was fucking phenomenal. It was yeah. it, it brought so many childhood memories that I'm like, wow. Yep. And then uh, Ronaldo, the, the real Ronaldo, uh, he interviewed uh, Rodrigo, Brazil's uh, midfielder, or you can call him strike, depends on where they put him. He interviewed him. At the end of the, at the end of the interview, it's a really cool it's a cool video. It's probably on 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 Twitter that you can look up Ronaldo and Rodrigo, um, and the interview ends and they they shake hands. And what Rodrigo does is like he touches Ronaldo's legs, and then he touches his like give me some of that. <laughs> yeah, like give me some of that match. I want some of that. Yeah, it's like I want some of them legs because Ronaldo is arguably the greatest finisher of all time. Uh, yeah, of all time. Yeah. yeah. Of all time, I don't think there's anybody that, that knows where the goal is better than Ronaldo. Yeah, he's arguably yeah. the best striker that ever was. Mm-hmm. The so, power and accuracy. Yeah. That yeah. So yeah, World well, Cup man. Great, great Eddie R man. I always love when we get to talk soccer because that's something we love doing. I mean, we talk a lot of Chiefs, a lot of NFL here, but man, whenever we get a chance to kind of like I say, scour across the globe and talk about stuff that the entire world cares about, I think that's something that's always good for us here. And I know that there's a lot of viewers on on our show that appreciate that as well because there's a lot of soccer fans out there, and, and it's growing in, in popularity out here in, in America and in particular in Kansas City, like Trevor alluded to. It's 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 a growing thing. I see it, you know, being from Kansas City, seeing people love this sport more and more. So something I very much appreciate as well. Uh, but let's get to uh, some Week 13 NFL picks. Uh, this, like I told you guys at the top of the show, this might be the best week when it comes to matchups across the board. And it's, it was really hard for me to decipher which ones I really wanted to point out this week because, again, guys, you go down the board. I mean, there's divisional matchups. There's uh, big-time juggernauts going against each other, teams that are fighting for playoff spots going against each other. This is a really, really fun week. So I, I want to pick just a couple games that are going to get to the Chiefs-Bengals afterwards. But um, I want to start with the Jets visiting the Vikings. So this is going to be a game that I think is going to be better than people are anticipating because, you know, the Vikings are a team that four of their last five games they've scored 30 points. And they were a team that their first six, seven weeks, they didn't score 30 at all. And they really have come alive offensively where Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson have really connected. Dalvin Cook's been extremely efficient and effective. Um, But they really have stubbed their toe, too, in a weird way, too, because they'll go from scoring, uh, if you look right here, they scored uh, 33 against the, uh, the. I'm sorry. They scored 33 against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, beat the Buffalo Bills in, in dramatic fashion, and then the next week get beat by 37 points to the Cowboys and only put up three points. So, and that was at home, by the way, which was even more confusing. So the Vikings, although their record is awesome, they're nine and two, one of the best teams in the NFL. They're also very flip floppy, if that if that makes sense. They're going into this game as a home favorite by three points. The over under is 44 and a half, which very I think that's a very respectable number for this game because I think the Jets defense deserves a lot of respect but but I think the Vikings are a team that are obviously capable of scoring a lot of points even against good defenses on the road uh, without even let alone being at home 
but I have a lot of respect for the Jets in this one. I, I think the Jets have a really good chance, and the biggest reason why isn't because it's just their defense. I, I give them a lot of praise on their defensive side because they have great names. Robert Saul is an incredible defensive-minded head coach, in my opinion, and that continues to grow, but also the fact the Jets have upgraded at quarterback. Mike White is not a guy that I think is going to be some long-term answer, but he's the kind of guy that, that can save a team's season. And you saw that against the Bears. Now the Bears defense isn't good. I will give them that. But it was a rainy, it was rainy condition, a lot of pressure on Mike White to come in here after a frustrating loss that Zach Wilson gave up. And he goes out there and plays one of the best games that any quarterback's played this season. And it looked he looked like he was playing with precision. And a lot of it is in credit is in credit to the fact he's got weapons to throw the ball to. Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson are very good young wide receivers. And I think that they are going to continue to rely on that relationship that Mike White has on these guys in the moment. Although I don't believe Mike White's going to be some franchise quarterback, but he's a guy that's going to be in the league for 12 13 years because he's a guy that can come in and play at a decent level for a month he won't play like this for an entire season but he can give you a month and i think that month started last week and i think the jets are going to come into this game and play very confident football because unlike the weeks previous they can buy into the quarterback that's going to be leading them down the down the down the field i don't think this game is going to be one of those 35 to 31 kind of games because i think both defenses will play decent but the jets have the advantage of defense and kirk cousins not playing consistent enough football in this season despite the weapons he has and their offensive line being atrocious at times you saw the way the Cowboys dominated him in that game guys I think the Jets are going to come in here and upset the Vikings in their field I have the Jets winning this game covering the points plus three and I have them upsetting and moving forward as as a proven to me a team proven and worthy enough to be a playoff team and get out of that AFC East as a wildcard team yeah I mean you can't deny what my I mean granted my Mike White's performance was against arguably the worst defense in football, um, so that that's that that holds some kind of Vikings cre- defense hasn't been very good there. either. No, Vikings defense is not good. They're uh, averaging twenty eight points and, a game, and I think the Vikings are the most luckiest team Five in the weeks. NFL. I think the, 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 they've lucked out a lot of wins. They've had some, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Josh they, Allen fumbling uh, in the end zone. Had, yeah, granted, granted, I'm not going to call Justin Jefferson's catches luck that was because phenomenal. they weren't the best throws. But Justin Jefferson is fucking incredible. Um, he single handedly won that game for them in my mind. Uh, the fact that he came down with two of those balls, that one down the the, the goal line as well, where he caught was that insane. Was intercepted. Yeah, yeah, the one, he took it away from the defender. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> Came smashing down yeah. on his own body, still yep. managed to hold onto the ball. The dude's ball control and his his body control is wild. Um, but yeah, as much as I love Justin Jefferson and a lot of the pieces on this on that Vikings team, I'm picking the Jets here too. I bet on them. I put money on them this week. So you get the um, plus three. Yeah, I took okay. the plus three. I, so yeah, I, and I but I think they went outright honestly. So if I was, I would even I wouldn't even mind betting the minus three. Um, I like them a lot in this game. Um, the Jets are real. Are, are they caught fire? And like you said, they bought into their quarterback. They're going from a guy that was hamstringing them uh, uh, and being a nuisance to them in, 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 in the locker room as well with his character issues. Um, and I think Mike White is just one of those guys. Of, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's a Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of guy. Yes. He's, he's a fiery guy. That He's a Heineke. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that just you, 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 the team, the loves team rallies around. They want to see him succeed just as much as they buy into him um, You know, being a successor for them, a guy that can guide and steer the ship, not be great all the time. But we've seen flashes of Mike White before. He's come in, I think, last year, and yeah. it was granted he started kind of sputtering out, sputtering out a little bit as the, as teams got more film on him. But he's a guy that will make the throw. He'll take risk and make the throws downfield. And, and they got Corey Davis back now as well with those receivers. Um, oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, Corey Davis. I mean, he's he's always kind of banged up every once in a while. But that's a big body receiver. That's a great red zone guy uh, with Garrett Wilson. So they got Braxton Barrios. They got they got uh, uh, that young r- uh, running back there. They've been they played really well last week too and then, then that defense is just, I think that defense and they have James Robinson 
Yeah, who they haven't really well, re- receiver Elijah Moore. Yeah, <laughs> they haven't really got. Yeah, he's he had a decent game last week. Finally, yeah, um, he just hasn't gotten it going this year. Um, exactly. Yeah, I think true. it's more about the quarterback. True, but he's kind of struggled a lot since he's been there. If I'm being honest, I think it's more him than he wants to admit. But um, Corey Davis is legit though. I do. I like to call like Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis as a duo. Um, if they can stay healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike White is not the answer long term at all. I still think they want to believe in Zach Wilson. That probably is going to blow up in their face, honestly. And he's just gonna, they're going to have to cut ties with him eventually. It could happen this, this offseason. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is a team that this defense is what is what gave me this pick here as well. I just I love the defense. I love what they're doing. Uh, I love the way they get after quarterbacks. And um, I don't care if this is a noon game and a sun nice you know sunshiny kind of day for the Vikings. And Kirk Cousins tends to do well in those spots. Um, but I just I think this is a letdown spot because I think the Vikings have really lucked themselves into a lot of wins. Uh, that they shouldn't have won this year. Uh, I think they got absolutely exposed by the Cowboys, and I think this Jets defense might even be better than the Cowboys defense in totality as far as if you if you factor in the secondary as well. Yeah. Um, so getting after the quarterback is one thing, and that's what the, both the Cowboys and Jets do, and I think if you rattle Kirk Cousins, he falls apart. Um, and This is not a national game, so I get it. The pressure's not on Kirk as much because he – we saw what happened in that Cowboys game when the when the, the world's watching. He just absolutely collapsed within himself. Um, and I think I think this will be a competitive game, though. I think both teams will put up some points, um, uh, but not high scoring. I'd say around 40, 40 43 total probably. Um, but yeah, man, I like the Jets here. I do. I like the Jets here. I like them winning outright in this one. So um, I think it'd be around a three to four point victory. I think it will be close. Because that's just giving respect to the talent that the Vikings do have with Dalvin Cook and their offensive weapons, uh, Josh Jefferson, obviously. So I think they have enough to make it com- a competitive game, but I think uh, the Vikings fall short here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm taking the Jets here. I think the Jets defensively are just a better team than than, than the Vikings' defense defenses. Uh, the Vikings has been a though they're nine and two. I think they have been a roller coaster and have gotten lucked out in a lot of the games that they've won. Yeah. Um, like I like I mentioned before, the Bills game that was just straight up luck. That game was lost, uh, and then somehow Josh Allen managed to fumble the ball. They were able to recover in the end zone. So, yeah, I I, I think I think the Jets uh, going into this game, especially with the new quarterback, I think are more motivated going into this game. Uh, I want to say they're the better team. I think they're pretty evenly matched, but I think the defensive wise is is uh, what stands out to me in in this game. And I think the Jets take the lead on that. Uh, just you have uh, you have Sauce Gardner, one of the best corners in the game today. He's a rookie. <laughs> Uh, yes, which, which is hard to Him believe. Certain are probably certain are probably the two best corners two, in my mind. Yeah, right now, yeah, they're, they're and pretty not just shut young down. dudes. I'm yeah. talking about league wide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're shut down completely. Uh, and I think if you ha- if you have him with with Justin Jefferson, I think it's going to be a fucking great match to see. And I think he could potentially very well win that matchup. Just I think that's just how good Sauce Gardner is. Uh, though Justin Jefferson can make those fucking plays. Happened kind of like the Bills game, yeah. That fourth and fourth and long, and he was able to snatch the ball away from the defender. So, I just think the Jets' uh, defense is is what's gonna be, win the game for them. I don't think they're gonna put up a lot of points, yeah. Uh, but I do think that they put enough points to where the defense can handle it and and stop the Vikings. I think it's gonna be a very 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 close game. Could could come down to maybe a field goal towards the end or something like that. Uh, so I think it's gonna be an overall good game. 
And then we, I want to move to a game that is on the NFC side exclusively. I know we don't do a lot of these matchups, but I really, I, I think this is a very intriguing matchup because it's an NFC East matchup. That's been by far the best division in football this season, outside of the AFC East, of course. Uh, Commanders are going to the Giants. Now, Linda Dorsey, if you could, dear friend of ours uh, that, do, that does an incredible podcast with our dear friend Tanisha Mahomes, please do not listen to this uh, these next five minutes or so because I don't know what these guys are picking, but I'm going to go for about three, three to five minutes. Um, I, have, I am such a big fan of what the Commanders are doing this season. They've won four of their last five games, and their only loss was to the Vikings by three. My defense is legit. They, they, are, they are one of the best defenses in the league over the last six, seven weeks now. I think they're fifth in rushing defense. They have locked down teams on the run, on the rushing side of things. They, they locked down Derrick Henry. Mm. They made it look easy against Derrick Henry, by the way. they looked. They, I think they played the Jaguars a few weeks ago and shut down Travis Etienne. <laughs> then you're looking at the Giants, an offense that's sixth in rushing this season. This is the worst matchup for the Giants, especially at this time of year, a team that's lost three of their last four games. The only team they've beaten in that stretch was the Texans, the yeah. worst team in football. They overachieved this and it, year. Yeah, and if you look at the Giants' schedule, so they did have a really good win week one against the Titans in Tennessee, 21-20. to They did beat the Ravens uh, in October, 24-20. to That was more about the Ravens, though, choking the way they did. Lamar just shit down his pants. I wouldn't really say the Packers was a great win because the Packers aren't a good team, Still but I get what you're Rogers, saying. I mean. But, yeah, if you look at, the, look at the other wins this season, they beat Carolina by three. They beat the Chicago Bears by eight. Uh, they beat the Packers by five. They beat the Jaguars by six. They beat the te- the Texans by eight, and they beat their uh, yeah, and that's that's their wins. So, although I want to give respect to the Giants because, like I said, they've won some notable games here and there. I don't think they were as good as the record indicated for the first half of the season. I think the Commanders are the better team in this one, which is why Vegas agrees with me. They have them as a two and a half point favorite on, on the road. The over under is forty and a half. I'm actually going to take the under in this one, but I'm also going to say the Commanders cover that by a substantial margin. Actually. Actually, I think they're going to win this game by more than a touchdown. Biggest reason why, guys, the Commanders are the number one team in the league in time of possession, which means they're going to limit a limited offense in their possessions. I think that the I think I think the Commanders are going to run the ball a lot in this one because the Giants don't have a great defense. They have a decent defense, a very average defense, but they don't have a defense that I think is going to slow down what the Commanders can do on the ground. I think the Commanders are going to command this game, pun intended, both sides of the ball. In fact, I think our guy is going to be back this week. Uh, uh, Chase Young. I think Chase Young's supposed to be back for this game, which is going to be a nice boosted advantage also just athletically getting their guy back, and they've played so well without him. So even if he's on a pitch count, I don't think it's going to change anything trajectory-wise. I think the Commanders are the better team in this matchup. I think they're a playoff team. I think they're going to make the playoffs this season, and I think the Giants are on the downhill. I'm going to say my guy Taylor Henneke goes and wins another big game for this team. I think their defense is going to show up and really limit Saquon Barkley's ability to, to stretch the field and make things easier for Daniel Jones, and I'm going to take the Commanders. I think I'm, I think they're going to win between seven and ten points, but I think it's going to be a lower scoring game where they win like twenty to ten or twenty three to thirteen, something like that. But I do think they win this game. Yeah, this is going to be an ugly one, I believe, um, which is what Washington wants. Um, uh, th- these th- both these teams are going in two different directions. The Giants obviously have been trending downward. Uh, the beginning exposed for their limited offense. Uh, offense is very limited. Losing Wondell Robinson was a big loss, too. They have not had any success via receivers. They've had no outside of Darius Slayton, who's been their only receiver that's really had any kind of life this season. They've really, really, really depended on the legs of <clears throat> of Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones at times. Uh, it's just you're just not going to – I mean, outside of the Titans, if you have a, like a legitimately good defense and, and Derek freaking Henry – you're not going to find much success that way. Um, but even the Titans got to – you know, they had, they had a trade tra- – uh, 
draft a Traylon Burks and you know a top tier receiver in the draft. They still need a, a legitimate receiver, and the Giants just don't have that right now. They don't have a quarterback that can find the receivers consistently either. Um, so we all know Daniel Jones is just not the long term answer for this team. Saquon is incredible, but he's been sputtering out pretty bad the last four weeks. He has not been very good, uh, especially up to his standards at all. So teams are just teeing off on him and just you know stacking the box and stopping Saquon, and then they have no answer out outside of that. So I expect Washington to, to stymie the running game of of this this Giants team. And I, I honestly was never a big believer in this, this Giants team. I think they have promise moving forward with their leadership. I love Coach Dayball. Um, I love Saquon. Saquon's, I mean, the shelf life for running backs is not very long. He's already dealt with a lot of injuries, so I don't think he's a long-term answer here as much as as much as we love him. Yeah, I don't. I, he could go somewhere else if he wants um, which he probably will, if I'm being honest. But I don't mean that. That's a whole other story later on in the year. I, I just, I just, no offense to Linda. Um, <laughs> I just never been a fan of what I've seen from the Giants. They, I know they found they've played, and their defense is not good in my mind. I don't think it is good. I think they've had good situational football moments, and I love Thibodeau as a draft pick, and I think he's the future of that defense, 100. I think he's a legitimately good uh, uh, edge rusher for the for years to come. There, they got to build around him though. Um, uh, but their defense is they've had good situational moments like the Lamar Jackson hiccup, you know, in those situations. Like they've taken they've been opportunistic in, in situational football defensively, but overall defense, not good in my mind. Yeah. I have not seen it consistently. Uh they've gotten shredded via running game as well. Uh they have a suspect secondary. Their DBs are no one's really of note in that DB room, if I'm being honest. So I think this is a game where actually they can go get destroyed. I think Wash. I think I think McLaurin can go yeah. out there and ball against that secondary. Uh, the yeah. only thing I will say, Washington. I, th- I think um, um, James Robinson, uh, or not James Robinson, Brian Robinson is going to be the only running back for them because I think uh, Antonio um, Gibson's out. I think Antonio Gibson's questionable, but they're saying he's leaning towards doubtful. So mm-hmm. I think him being out is a threat to uh, or is a downgrade to that passing offense. I thought situation. they had another running back who's been playing pretty well though. They're back at the third string guy. <clears throat> I forget his name. Um, McKissick has been a guy yeah. that's been in and out, but he he's I don't think he's playing. Either. Either. Okay, but I mean Brian Robinson is legit though, um, a guy that can can carry the load. That um, we've seen him run twenty plus times in games. Uh, so I think if and they got you know McLaurin, they got Samuel's out there, guys that can make big plays in the passing game. And I think Heineke is just good enough to go out there. And I think I think Washington wins this one comfortably. Yeah, um, these are two teams that are built similarly. Um, but they, they, they uh, Washington has far superior wide receiver talent. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be the difference in this game. Both defenses, um, like I said, are moving in two different directions. The Giants has been really falling off, and then Washington's getting healthier and healthier defense, and they've caught their stride, and they're about to get one of the best defensive players of football back. I think this Commanders team's a 10-win team. They're scary, yeah, heading into the postseason, especially in the NFC um, where it's wide open. Yeah, I think they can go beat anyone in the NFC right now. Straight up. I'm, yeah, I, Outside of maybe San Fran. Uh, and the Cowboys, I, but I mean, even then, I think they could catch the Cowboys, the Cowboys if they Cowboys. met Maybe up, it's not San Fran, but yeah. San Fran is, I think, pushing to be the best team in the NFC right now with the Eagles. But I think if they met the Eagles, I think they'd beat the Eagles, if I'm just being honest with you. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, man, I think Washington wins this one comfortably. I say it by probably 10 points. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can trust this this Giants offense. If Saquon can't get the running game going early, I they have no other. They have they no don't. other answer. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it relies heavily on Saquon Barkley, and it has ever ever since he's been in the league. When healthy, that offense goes through Saquon Barkley, and if he doesn't have a good game, the Giants don't have a good game. So, I think their their quarterback is Eli Manning in his last years. I, I think that's that's what you're getting out of Daniel Jones. I don't think you can get anything better out of him. Uh, I think that's who he is, and I think that's what he's gonna be in the future. I think. We've seen enough uh, of Daniel Jones to 
to convincingly for me in my opinion to say that uh that defense that defense is uh like spotty uh it can have good games and it can have bad games it it, it all depends on when they choose to play uh that i just i don't believe him in in going into this game uh with the commanders who like you said have won four of the last five who are very well motivated who heineke's playing a good game uh they're the receiver Mac, Mac, uh, what's McLaurin, his name? McLaurin. Mm-hmm. he's balling. Uh, I just don't see the Giants finding an answer to stopping him, to stopping the passing game. Don't forget game. Curtis Samuel, too. They got Logan and, Thomas, uh, who's legitimate. Is, is Chase Jung supposed to return? He is team? supposed to return this week. That's what yeah. I, last we heard is that last week he was already training, already, ready to go, yeah. and then he was supposed to play Because I think this week. last week they he'll said he was healthy enough. He'll, I think, be a, he'll, be a, he'll be on a pitch count. He'll yeah. probably play like 15, 20 snaps. But then, I think if he's there early to where Saquon Barkley can't get nothing going, right. I think, and the, the commanders are able to take a lead, I think that the, the, the Giants will abandon the run game and kind of trust Daniel Jones. Uh, down the field, and I think that's where it's going to backfire pretty bad because I, I I don't believe in Daniel Jones. I I really don't. Uh, so yeah, I, I I'm picking the the Commanders in this game. Yeah, and a little shout out to our lady Linda Dorsey, LD, uh, and Tanisha. Just because of the fact we're talking, we're we're down in her Giants right now. We're we're all three picking the Commanders here because I know Linda's not going to like it. Uh, just a little little plug for them. Uh, go follow them guys. Uh, their podcast is awesome. It's two gyms and a mic. Uh, you can find them on YouTube, all podcast platforms. I love being a guest on there whenever we have, whenever they have me, and it's always a blast. But I just wanted to put that out there, a little plug for our lady Linda Dorsey, because I know she's going to be trying to go for our next this week. But uh, yeah. a couple, of, a couple other games. There's two more games I want to get to, and then we're going to get to the Chiefs Bengals. I promise you guys, we're not going to make it wait too much longer. But these two matchups, I, I got to address because I feel like these will be the ones that we probably disagree on. At least one of them. Uh, the Titans are going to the Eagles. So the Eagles have the best record, obviously, in the NFC and the NFL with 10-1. and one. They're hosting this game. Titans come off a frustrating loss against the Bengals at home. They're 7-4. and four. Uh, it, it, was, it was frustrating because the Titans had multiple opportunities to win that game like they had in the divisional game against the Bengals last season, and they just let it slip in Tennessee Bengals again. Bengals shut Derrick Henry down, though. It was, yeah, and, and Derrick's not been actually good over these last couple of weeks. It's, it's, I think he'll bounce back because December is his best month of his career, and I think he will be back. Yeah. And I think that starts this week because the Eagles have one of the worst run defenses the entire NFL of this last month and change. I mean, you saw the way the Packers were doing whatever they wanted on offense last week, putting up 33 points with Aaron Rodgers in and out of the game, playing with a rib injury and a thumb injury. And they're still scoring all over. The- Jordan Love looked incredible in that game. I know the Eagles scored Christian 40 Watson, points. Man, my yeah, God. my God, he looked incredible. Six touchdowns in three games. Yes, I mean, Jesus Christ. The- <laughs> and the Eagles' offense is incredible, too. Yeah. Like, let's let's give them pr- pr- praise here. I'm not saying the Eagles are a bad team at all. This team yeah. could get to the Super Bowl. But their defense is a worry. They added Dominican Sue out of desperation, and that didn't change shit. That didn't do anything. They're still getting gashed all over the floor, and I think that the Titans are the type of team guys that come in here and really upset a team like the Eagles. As it stands, the Eagles are four and a half point favorites, so the, so Vegas is expecting them to win this game and win it decently. It's a 44 and a half over under. Guys, I, I think I know I'm sticking with this road trend here because my previous two picks are road teams winning. I'm going to stick with it because I think the Titans are a team that is, is is the perfect disaster for an Eagles team in this type of matchup because although the Eagles are probably the better overall team, Mike Vrabel is clearly the better head coach. And that's no disrespect to Nick Sirianni. I think he's a good coach. But Mike Vrabel is the kind of guy that can get his team to go out there and play at the, uh, the level that it would require to win a game in Philadelphia like this. And it is a, if I'm not mistaken, a midday game too. No, it's noon game. So 
Although the world won't be watching, we know that Vrabel is pissed off at how that game ended against the Bengals last week. I think he's going to come in here, guys, with a healthier team. Now, Jeffrey Simmons is healthy again, their best defensive lineman. I, I, guys, I think they're going to make Jalen Hurts' day very long. I think it's going to be tough for them to get anything going in the ground kicks. As bad as the Eagles are in the run game, defensively, the Titans are even better on, on defense in the run game as well. If, if you look at it right now, uh, the run games are about the same right now. Uh, so the, the Eagles are a much better scoring offense. Uh, they're third in the league where the Titans are only 26th. But points allowed, the Titans are only giving up 18.5 points and the Eagles are giving up 19.5. So they're a full point better than what the Eagles' defense is. And uh, if you look at, like I said, yards per game, the Eagles are the better team. But in time of possession, guys, they're they're pretty much the same team. And third down efficiency, they're both kind of shitty on that. Both defenses are able to get to the quarterback. So I don't think that's going to be a big difference in which team wins. I do trust Ryan Tannehill's veteran ability to understand reads and pick up things a little bit better than Jalen Hurts at this time, given the fact that Ryan Tannehill is going against an inferior defense, whereas Jalen Hurts is going against an elite defense when it comes to getting to the quarterback. I think that I think. The Titans are going to squeak this one out. I don't think they cover the points. I don't, I'm not going to give them a plus four and a half. I think this is a two, three point victory where they win by a field goal. Close, ugly, 17 16, 19 to 18, 19 to 17, 20 to 17 kind of victory where it's just ugly, but Derrick Henry goes and has himself 115 yards and a couple touchdowns on the ground and gets himself a victory. And then it puts the Titans back in that respect as one of the three, three best seeds in the AFC. Yeah. Um, so there's two teams in particular. There's a few teams that do this, but there's two teams in particular that make you play their kind of football on a nightly basis pretty much, and that's the Indianapolis Colts and that's the Tennessee Titans. They force you to play to their AFC level, to, South. Their, to their pace, and they're very good at it, and they're two very good defenses. And the Colts are one of those teams that sh- honestly should have won that Eagles game. They had an absolute gash last-second drive that they let Jalen Hurts just run right up the middle and, and take that game from them. They were winning that game for the majority of it. Uh, and they had every reason to win that game, and we've seen them do that to the Chiefs. Granted, the Chiefs beat themselves in that game, but the Colts did force us to play a slower-paced game. They they took away a lot of things that we were trying to do, and that's credit to them. That defense is legit. Um, and this Titans defense, in my mind, is even better than that Colts defense. I don't care if they're on the road. Mike Vrabel is one of the best guys, like you said, at preparing his men to play a game, running through walls for him, uh, uh, um, and forcing these teams to – and I – I will say the, the the athleticism and the 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 um, mobility of Jalen Hurts is is a is a major factor here that can that can change this game and how I'm predicting it. But I'm predicting the Titans to win this one. Mm. Um, this is a, wow, this, this, is a, this is a great bounce back spot for the Titans. Have we agreed on all three games so far? Yeah. What the hell is happening? Yeah, here? and this is look, and then there's going to be a couple of games. Look, the, 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 the Eagles have only lost once. Right, and the, I never expected them to go undefeated. I never expected them to lose only one. I, I expected them to lose two to three games, um, and I think even with that easy schedule, you're always bound to drop a couple. And this is a this is a great letdown spot for the Eagles. Um, bouncing, you know, having that uh, the you know the win against the Packers and that, that walk off win against the uh, um, the the Colts there. This just feels like I know they got Ndamukong Sue to help stop the run a little bit better, and that might take him a few weeks to really kind of get acclimated and get his football feet back. Uh, granted, I don't think he's that great of a player anymore. He's, but he's still a guy that is good against the run and stuff, and you know the line at the line of scrimmage. But Derrick Henry is a different beast, and I think this is a great bounce box spot for Derrick Henry and that defense of the uh, uh, the Titans. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm picking the Titans here. I think it's going to be a close one. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring affair, which it typically is not when it comes to Titans games. They know how to slow the game down and, and limit possessions. Uh, if you limit the possessions of, of Jalen Hurts and you force him to go out there and try to make the best of every moment. 
the the Eagles' offense is an offense that scores in a, uh, uh, with an abundant amount of possessions, right? They've been an opportunistic defense. They force a lot of turnovers, and they 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 make things happen, and they give Jalen Hurts a lot of opportunities to go out there and score points. But if you limit those those opportunities for him to go score points, they don't score nearly as much points. They don't they don't always take advantage of every possession. They, it kind of takes them a minute to really get going. And if you limit that, which I think the Titans will, Jalen Hurts is not the most. If he's been good this year, not turning the ball over. But if you if you limit his his chances to go score, and you make them, and this is what the Titans do. So I, I think I think the Titans go and, and they win a close one here. This is a game that they they need to win, quite frankly, because the AFC race is tightening up with the Bengals catching fire right now and things. You know the way the AFC is going to balance out. Who knows? Um, a lot of teams looming in the in the in the mist here. Well, um, I'll so. throw I'll throw another team out there real quick and get to Eddie's pick. The Titans are very similar to the Commanders because the Commanders are the type of team that make you play their style too, where they, they run the ball. Yeah. I'm just saying, like time and possession, things like that. You know what I mean? They, they it's more of a their ground game is what wins their offense. Is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, the, yeah, the Commanders yeah. aren't the Commanders and Titans aren't relying on Tannehill and Heineke to win them games, and their defenses are stout like they are front with rolling rushing four. Who's the one team that beat the Eagles this year? The Commanders, and they yeah. beat them thirty-two to twenty-one. They yeah. spanked them. So that's another team the that forces you yes. to play to their pace. That's what I'm Jalen saying. Hurts had to throw the ball you a lot in that yeah, game because he was limited, and he yes. was having to chase points because he was limited on having uh, the amount of series is to go out there and take chance after chance and make plays and, I think, and, win, and win the game. I think the first one was nine or nine games going into that game against the Commanders. The Eagles had three turnovers all season. Yeah. They had four in that game. Yeah. So the Titans are the type of team, like they said, get those frustrating Eagles, forced fumbles, things like that. The Eagles thrive in a, similar to the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are able to adapt. But this is where the Eagles fall short and the, the lack of adaptation in their game is they like fast-paced games. They like games that are kind of back and forth. They like kind of games where they're kind of out there, you know, free-flowing, playing fast-paced offense, you know, hurry up a little bit. Um, they, they, they actually do really well in those kind of games. This is, when, they have, when they are forced to slow down and Jalen has to be a little more patient and he's extending plays with his legs but he can't find anybody downfield and there's pressure, that's where they kind of start to collapse within themselves a little bit. But Eagles are great. I'm not gonna act like the Eagles aren't a great team. They they go win this game. I'm not gonna be surprised in any way. But this feels like a great Titans spot, and I love the uh, the narrative of the AJ Brown returning to Tennessee for the first time. He could have a big game. I know they're gonna really try to feed him. That is a guy that could wreck this game. I think AJ Brown could go out there and have another big downfield because there's the secondary of, the, of Tennessee is not that great. So if Jalen can find ways to extend this game with his legs and escape the pocket and find AJ Brown downfield. That could that could wreck this game as well. I can see AJ Brown having a big uh, uh, return game here, and I like that narrative. But I do think the Titans limit that, and I think they get after Jalen Hurts and they win this game. Oh man, I guess we're all going Titans. Holy hell, have we disagreed on a game yet? <laughs> I don't think yeah. we have. This is weird. Uh, I'm picking <laughs> the, the Titans. Uh, Titans. You beat me to it. I was going to bring up the oh, Commanders. Sorry about yeah, that. I was, I was going to bring up the Commanders. I think both the Commanders' defense and the Titans' defense are very similar. They're very very physical. And I think that's what that's what the Eagles lack in uh, physicality in their offense, um, and, and and it shows uh, if if Jalen Hurts can't get his running game going, they struggle a lot. Uh, he's getting better in in, the, in his throwing game compared to the, the his first season, uh, and. I, this is second season, right? Well, I think third, I, this is third I, season. I want to say I, I think losing Dallas Goddard hurt this offense more than we like massively to admit. Yeah. Massively, so he doesn't have that safety blanket. Yeah. he's really he's been a top five so, tight end in the league this year. Yeah, so I, I think I think if the, if the Titans go out there and limit Jalen Hurts and, and limit to what he can do in the field, uh, limit his his ability with the legs, kind of like what the Commanders did, kind of like kept him in the pocket as better as he could. I think they rushed uh, with four and they were able to get to him a lot. Uh, during that game, and I think the Titans had the ability 
to do it with just three and maybe four. And I think they have the ability to get to him uh, and limit him to what he can do with the with his legs. So I think I think physicality and and the the grit that the defense has for the Titans, I think that's going to be a game changer for the, for for this game. I think it's going to be a close game because I don't think yeah I don't think the, the the Titans have that offense where you can go like yeah they can go out and blow well, the Titans out don't blow anybody out yeah so yeah. no it's going to be a close game but they're they're going to uh, obviously coming coming from a uh, a Chiefs loss and a Bengals loss on back to back weeks is is definitely definitely something that the the Titans want to get over yeah, and, and, and get a, get a win and mm-hmm. what better way than to beat beat the best team in the league right now yeah uh, per record by record you know but what I mean also if the, if the Eagles lose that's a huge loss for them because they huge, got that, that opens that, up for the, the Cowboys, Cowboys and the Niners yeah so <clears throat> so yeah uh, uh, and, and I think that's a lot of pressure for the Eagles coming into this game as well because they can't lose yeah because the Cowboys are are they're there yeah yeah and and. Uh, it's going to be a very, very good matchup to see Cowboys Eagles later down down in the schedule. But I, I think the Titans are going to do enough to where they 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 limit uh, hurt. They play their style of football like they'd like to play, and I think the Titans are going to pull one off. The final game I want to talk about today, and we obviously we'll give you guys our full slate of picks on Sunday morning, uh, whenever before the before the noon slate kicks off. We do that each and every week on our Facebook page and on our Twitter page. You can follow us there as well. It's on the bottom of the screen. The final game I want to talk about is the game that I think a lot of people are trying to hype up as the best game of the week. I don't think it's going to be, even though these two teams are absolute juggernauts. The Dolphins are visiting the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the Dolphins are a team that I was very big on beginning of the season. I, I thought this was going to be one of the best offenses in football. I thought they had a good enough defense, and I actually believed in Mike McDaniel because I think he just has that it factor about him where he just knows who he is. He's not this big guy in stature. He's not this raw, raw guy. But he's, he's a soundbite king, He's dude. a soundbite king. He's super witty. <laughs> he's great, he has the he has the, the biggest thing is that I always, I always love. I don't, I'm not a big um, defensive-minded head coach guy. But guys like Mike Vrabel have the intention and respect of their team. So I'll always buy in. Mike Tomlin, same thing. Pete Carroll, same thing. Bill Belichick. Yes, they just have that reverence. Mike McDaniel on the offensive side is a guy, like I said, that has the respect and reverence of his team because they know this dude knows what the fuck he's talking about and just has that intelligence, that wherewithal. And he's been in this league for 14 years, even though he's a young dude. He's paid his dues. He's been with the the, uh, Shanahan's all these years. So he's really worked his way up. Um, having said all that, the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. And I say that very confidently. You guys remember five weeks ago when the Chiefs beat the living shit out of the 49ers, 44-23? to 23? Mm-hmm. Since then, the 49ers have given up 40 points in four games. They haven't allowed a second-half touchdown since the Chiefs game. Not a single second-half touchdown. They are literally giving up 10 points per game over the last four games, and they shut out the Saints. Not a great offense by any means, but a decent offense. And they shut them out 13 to nothing last week. The Dolphins are going to be missing both of their tackles in this game. Armstead's out. Isn't he? Armstead's out. Yes, they are, they are out both their tackles. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Right now they have the San Francisco 49ers as the four-point favorites at home with a 45-and-a-half over-under. I not only think the Niners are going to win this game by double digits, I think Tua Tagovailoa is going to be out of the MVP race by this game. I think Tua Tagovailoa has three interceptions in this game. Biggest reason why is because of the fact that we've seen in Tua's career when the pressure is on, even with Tyreek Hill, 
He does not get the ball out accurately. You see him when there's blitz packages. He has struggled over the last month on this one. I think that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be going to be getting hit all day long. They're going to be forcing turnovers in this one. I think Nick Bosa is going to have a massive game. I think that Armstead is going to have a massive game on the defensive side. I think that you're going to see the Fred Warner and and Tufanga and all and Charvarius Ward really really clenching their teeth on this one, guys, and picking apart what the Dolphins do. Every offense has these clunkers. The Dolphins haven't had one of those since Tua has been their quarterback. Yep. In games without him, they've been terrible. I know they got blown out by the Jets like 40-17 to 17 with, with Skylar Thompson as their quarterback, but they haven't had that yet. I think this is the week it finally happens. On the road, midday game, a lot of the nation's watching. Uh, it, it just has that recipe with the way the Niners have been playing. And again, the Dolphins are on a five-game winning streak. I want to pay them respect. I'm big on the Dolphins. I, st- I still think they can win the AFC East. I think this is that game, though, guys, were like, fuck, man, Tua was bad today. He was bad today. I mean, Tyreek's going to probably get his numbers because Tyreek is just so great. Jalen Waddle's still there. Gusecki's there. I, I just think, guys, the Niners are going to be that defense that makes an absolute statement. I think Jimmy G against that really below-average secondary so far over the last five, six games for the Dolphins, I think he's – and to, to Jimmy's credit, I'm not a big Jimmy guy. He's actually been playing really good football over this last month. I think he's got like 11 touchdowns, like two interceptions. I think he sucks, but he's definitely been playing He's been good. playing good football because Brandon Ayuk's emerged. They're, they're staying healthy on offense. Jennings has been a hell of a good player for them. Number 15, Jennings has been uh, – uh, um, George Kittle's having one of his best seasons over the last three finally years. Going, finally yeah. playing well. Oh, yeah, and by the way, they have Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Like, they have so many weapons on the offensive line. They're healthier. I just think the Niners are the better team, and I think they're going to beat up to a really bad in this one. I think they're going to win this game comfortably. I got the Niners covering the four, and I think the over-under is right where it should be. I think it's going to be a 45 to 46-point game. Yeah, the Niners are the favorite, and I think they should be. I like the Niners here as well. Um, I, but unlike you, I do think this is actually a, a competitive game. I think the I think the Dolphins will put up points, and I have the Niners winning for the opposite reason. You have them winning. I think this is going to be a good out because I think the Miami defense is bad. Uh, yeah. Their secondary has been horrible this year. Yeah. They've, they're allowing I think like the third most yards uh, uh, per attempt, and they're allowing I think like, like fifth or sixth um, um, uh, scoring or touchdowns, I guess, to uh, receivers. They're like right up there. Their secondary has been horrible. They have, they have not been generating much pressure defensively at all. They've kind of – this is why the, the shootout works in their favor uh, because they have so much talent on offensively um, and with the, the, the receivers they have obviously there. Um, I think this. I think these both these teams will put up points. I think this is arguably the game of the week for a reason. I think it will be up there with, uh, um, you know, with the Chiefs and Bengals game. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun game. I think both these teams – and the, the, the narrative of McDaniels returning to San Fran, he knows them very well. He knows that stadium very well. He's comfortable there. He's been there for a long time. He's under Shanahan. Shanahan knows him. He knows Shanahan. So I think this is a nice little clash of two guys that are very smart, uh, uh, analytical coaches um, that have kind of bred from the same from the same kind of cut, from the same cloth. Um, so I like this matchup. I think both these guys are going to – you know, there's going to be some trickery. Um uh, uh, I, I think I believe Debo is a little banged up, but he's going to play. Chris McCaffrey has been a little banged up this week, and he's going to play. Um, and uh, I think this will be actually more of a shootout than you think. Hmm. Um, I think that both these teams will have put up points. Cause I, that's just my respect to Waddle and Tyreek, man. It doesn't matter what defense you have on those kind of guys. And I think, too, has been pretty accurate as far as getting oh, yeah. a lot quick. His deep balls was not, was not very appealing to me. Um, and he's not going to have time in the pocket this game to make those because I make those deep shots and take those deep shots. Um, so if he's taking those risks, I think this this defense will get after him. Um, 
And he's he's no, he's prone to take big hits. He was even taking big hits last last week in that blowout, and they kept him in there for some reason. He was get he got sacked like four or five times for some reason. They left him in there. Um, but yeah, this is this is a, a a game where I think the offense of the Niners is what actually wins this game for them. I think this is what both these teams will put up points, but I think the Niners just put up enough points to put them away. Because uh, I got all the respect in the world for that offense of the of the Dolphins, and I think McDaniel's is a mastermind as far as getting guys in position to score and, and putting guys in the in the right spot at the right time. And then he's got the the overall athleticism and uh, uh, yak ability of Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill that's just that can be decimating to any defense no matter how good they are. So I, I'm I'm giving them enough respect to to say that they'll put up north of 25 points on this uh this uh, Niners defense. But I think this Niners offense is going to go out there and shred that that Dolphins defense that's been absolutely putrid this year um, and haven't been able to stop anybody so um, I'm, I'm saying this game gets into the both these teams are pushing into the 30 point realm uh, but I, th- I think the Niners offense is what goes out there and wins this one and I think uh, I think it's gonna be a shootout I do uh, and so. I'll say this real quick to get the Eddie uh, the last four games the Dolphins have put up at least 30 points right mm-hmm. and if you look at their opponents though I mean it's it's been pretty bad so they play, they play the, the Lions the Bears the Browns yep. and the Texans what I'll say about this, though, is whenever they face capable defenses, they have actually struggled. Sure. So they only put up 20 points against the Patriots in Week 1. Uh, against the Bills, they only put 21 in a win. And then against the the Steelers don't have a really good defense, but they have really good, like, uh, a second, Mika Fitzpatrick and those guys. Mm-hmm. They only put up 16 in a win. So they did, they did pull these victories out. <clears throat> but this is going to be, in my opinion, by far the best defense they have faced this season. And I just think when you see them putting up lower scores against defenses that are capable of making your game difficult... Mm-hmm. And them not being able to score a lot of points, and those were games with Tua. I know they haven't had games with Tua in some of these instances, but not those ones. Yeah. And so I just think that it's it's going to be hard for me to buy, and they're going to go into Levi Stadium, even with Mike McDaniel understanding the he knows temperature. That, he knows that whole personnel defensively. He knows yeah. them well. He knows the weaknesses of all those defensive players. Yeah. Just like the Chiefs kind of exposed Bosa right running right at him. I, he knows those little things yeah. too, man. So, just, I, I usually go with the mentor over the over the the understudy in these matchups. Like Andy Reid. Andy Reid dominates his former coaches. Yeah, Bill Belichick dominates. His former coaches, sure. like I just think that I don't think Shanahan's that kind of guy. I though. think he's gonna be though. Mm-hmm. I do think he's gonna be because you're just yet to prove you're gonna start either. seeing you're gonna start seeing as the years go on. McVay and Shanahan are gonna start having their own coaching tree as they get older. You're gonna start seeing them have their coaching tree, and I would give the edge over, uh, to McVay and Shanahan over those guys just because of who what I know them to be. I think McD- Mike McDaniel is a damn good coach. I, I would just give Kyle Shanahan the edge. I do think there's a, there's a situation where the Niners absolutely just dominate this game on both sides of the ball because of the yeah. offensive line woes of the of the of the Dolphins. Right. But I think the Dolphins' offense is so electric, man. I think that they are a challenge for any defense. Sure. I don't care who it is. So you just get the ball in Tyreek's hands and Waddle's hands and let them go to work. I mean, I think the Dolphins are going to have to get the ball out quick, and I think both these teams will score points, man. I'm picking the, the 49ers in this game. God, they uh, picked every fuck. single game. To- <laughs> all right, fuck it. I'll go with the Dolphins. No, no, no. Go with the Dolphins. <laughs> we be wrong on all these games. <laughs> all it's like, God damn, they all got blown out. God. Uh, no, I I think I think uh, for the for the uh, for the Dolphins losing Armstead, I think that's his yep. name. The, the tackle yes. was massive. Uh, we saw it in the last in the, uh, against the Texans last week. Uh, once he went out, they were pressuring Tua like crazy. They were thirty, and they, they kept Tua in the damn yeah. game. Like why? They were uh, they were just getting to Tua. They were sacking him. They were able to put a lot of pressure to him. Uh, one of the sacks, one of the sacks was pretty 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 rough on Tua, and I'm like, I don't think the Dolphins want to want to keep that up. Uh, so I think for the Dolphins, that is a massive loss, uh, especially going against the, the 49ers who can literally rush you with three. Yeah. They can, especially they, Eric Armstead back. Yeah, yeah. 
they, they are that team that can literally rush their quarterback with three. And we know that Tua doesn't get uh, doesn't release the ball super fast. Uh, he does take a little he's gonna bit of. Have lo- to. He, he's going to have to this game. Yep. If he doesn't, he's going to he's going to be getting eaten alive. And I think and I think uh, the the Forty Nineers are going to try early in the game, uh, trying to uh, rush with three. Yeah. And if they can get that away. They're going to put two on Waddle and two on uh, Tyreek, and two is going to have to create some magic out of that, and and probably get Kasiki uh, a big game this uh, this week. But I just I don't see it. Uh, it I think it's going to be a close game because uh, I, I don't think I don't, I don't think that the Forty uh, ers have a a better offense. Uh, I know the Dolphins have a, a pretty pretty bad secondary. They've been a really good offense. Man. Yeah, I, I know that the Dolphins have a pretty bad secondary, but I just I don't trust Garoppolo to throw deep and accurate uh, in this kind of game. Uh, he he's he to. He's he's gonna he, he shows that he can, but obviously we know that when he throws deep, he's not as accurate. Oh yeah, he's terrible. I think Ayuk is a problem for the secondary. <laughs> yes, I think it's gonna be a and even the yes, dump offs so. to McCaffrey and these guys yeah. like it's gonna be it's yeah Debo like yeah it, it's it, yeah I, I I still think it's gonna be a close game, uh, but I do think the 49ers get the uh, get the uh, edge. Just for the simple fact that if they can, if they can, if the if the 49ers can get to two with three, yeah. Tyreek and Waddle are pretty much out of the game. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say this too about the Dolphins. Uh, one real thing, one one thing real quick is uh, the sound bites are f- so fun. Like uh, McDaniel's has been so fun to listen to on the sound bites. His relationship <coughs> with Tua is is awesome. It's adorable in every way. It's great. Yes, dude. I, I love them. I love every every week. It's a cool sound bite. This team is having fun right yeah. now. But if they go out there and they get their cheeks clapped to the Niners by the Niners, and 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 things get, and, and two is getting thrown around and banged around and they lose bad in bad fashion, I want to see what this team looks like after they take an ass beating like that because they haven't really had. I mean, two has yeah. been out, but since two has been back, it's been all you know rainbows good. and roses. So I really want to see what yeah, the sound bites look like yeah. after they take it. They ass haven't beating. really played like a, a, a team where I'm like, God damn, this is gonna be a good right. matchup. So when they when they're, 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 they're backs up against the wall, they're, they're kind of you know backpedaling a little bit. I want to see what this team is made of when the players' coach isn't able to have those cute sound bites and stuff, and what when things get you know they start struggling, the team start getting tape on them and start getting the better of them. If that happens, I want to. I really am interested to see how this team rebounds because they're the fun team right now. The, he's the fun coach. He's the cool, new, analytical, like geeky kind of funny, quirky, sarcastic coach, and all that's fun right now. But when towards the end of the season, playoff time gets around, things are getting real. Do they have that grit? When adversity hits, when, it, when it's not about fun yeah. anymore, you got to you got to grit those teeth and go get those tough wins and take a tough loss. How do they respond? That's that's my most interesting like the thing I'm most interested to see in this team if that goes down this week. How they yep. respond? So those are our week 13 picks. This is a preview of what we got going on. I cannot believe we agreed on literally all yeah. four picks. That has never it's happened before. Nervous about it. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so I, put money on um, all, I put money on all those we'll, teams. So. We'll, we'll give you guys our full slate tomorrow, like I said, before kickoff at noon on Sunday and let you guys know what we got as a full slate. I'm sure we'll have some disagreements. Um, but there is a game that we actually need to get to, guys, that is the biggest game of the week for us in particular. And I and I, <laughs> I actually think it's going to be the biggest game of the, of the week. Um, the Chiefs are going to visit the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that – quite frankly owned the Chiefs last season beating them both times. There's context to it. I'm sure we're going to engage in that in just a second. Um, but yes, this is a team that I said, remember the beginning of the season, guys, when we gave our prediction show, we talked about this, the, you know, the Chiefs not having one true rivalry. And I pushed back on that a little bit. And I said, if there is a team that I could say has that rivalry ability for the Chiefs, it's not the Bills. It's not anybody in the AFC West. It's the Bengals. Because yep. they're the only team outside of a Tom Brady-led team that have beaten the Chiefs in the postseason. 
with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. So that, to me, is a team that I have to look at and say, oh, my God, this is a team that rivals with the Chiefs. And they beat us in the way that we've beaten a lot of teams spotting us double-digit lead. Yes, yeah. and, and that's what makes this thing so unique. And what also makes this thing unique is just the, the difference in the Chiefs roster from one year ago to now. And one of those key pieces that was brought in to be one of those pieces to be a difference maker was Justin Reed. And Justin Reed did something that is very uncharacteristic of any player for Andy Reed over the last several years, and that is him speaking out to the media about what he's going to do in this game. So if you missed the clip, I recommend you go look for it. Justin Reed was asked a question, to, in fairness, and he brought up, he was, try, he was trying to talk about Hayden Hurst, the tight end for the Bengals. He ends up misquoting and talks about T. Higgins. He goes, regardless, I'm going to lock him up. It's just like that. And Andy Reid didn't like that. He did address that in his press conference that he does every week. He said I, he knows now he's new, but he knows now I don't like that stuff. He really doesn't like that Slap stuff. The it, it makes sense because I've never seen the Chiefs talk shit. They don't, and that's because that's Andy Reid's way. He does not like. He likes to keep them at bay, lull them to sleep with. Oh, you guys are so great. We love you guys. You guys, are so we're looking forward to the challenge, all that stuff. But here, I'm gonna. I'm, I was on eight ten this week with my guy Blake Schneiders and Jack Johnson on the night shift. I highly recommend you guys listen to them. It's on Wednesday nights, and I absolutely love being a part of that show and just being a listener. But I was on their show this week and I, I press back in one area because I'm the same way. I'm more on Andy Reid's side. I don't like my team being the ones that talk. I like it when the other team talks because Old it gives it gives Patrick Mahomes and his offensive line and those guys and it get, makes us feel good. Like, oh yeah dude, thank you for that. That is that motivated. That's pissed my team off because I am one of those people that does believe in that. I do believe there are motivating factors in what is being said to the media for every team. There's individuals that are different like Mitchell Schwartz talks about it. He didn't care about press clippings. He didn't care about comments. He just went out there and played his game. But that's not the same story for everybody. Some guys really do get motivated off that, and I think there are a lot of guys, and in particular, I think Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, guys like that do take that stuff personal. So, I, I didn't like it initially when Justin Reed talked about it, but I have I have some some context as to why I'm okay with Justin Reed talking this way. So, Justin Reed's Justin Reed was brought in to be a difference maker from one year to the next because we saw how in this matchup in particular, both games that Tyron Matthew and Dan Sorensen just could not get on the same page. They weren't even in the same book. Yeah. And they looked lost out there. They were just blind leading the blind out there. Joe Burrow was just picking these dudes apart. Jamar Chase was just doing whatever he wanted. Tyron Matthew continually made business decisions. Dan Sorensen was just Dan Sorensen was just done with football. And it was proven in those matchups. Justin Reed was, beat, was, was brought here for this particular game. He even talked about it, how players on the team told him, circle this team on the calendar. I mean, shit, the Chiefs' Twitter account was putting it out there that we circled this game. So you know this meant a lot. So Justin Reed going out there and saying that is actually, in my opinion, a good thing. Biggest reason why. He's the veteran now. Outside of Juan Thornhill and Legereus Sneed, he's the only guy on this on this secondary that's been on this team for, or that's been a veteran in this league. You have Josh Williams and Jalen Watson and Trent McDuffie coming into this game as, as green as they could be. Guys that have played very limited amounts in their careers. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on these young dudes. They're going to have to go against Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Hayden Hurst. And possibly Joe Mixon. That's a lot to go against. And in my opinion, to this point of the season, this is the most talented slash healthy offense the Chiefs have faced all season. So Justin Reed doing this, in my opinion takes the pressure off of these young guys. Because now, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, all these guys are going to be looking at Justin Reed. And he's the kind of guy, in my eyes, if there's anybody on this defense that can say those things and then back it up, I'm going to put my bet on Justin Reed because he's the proven commodity in this defense. He's the veteran that came in here, got paid free agent money to be that difference maker. I'm not saying Justin Reed's going to lock down anybody. 
What I am saying, though, is that Justin Reed's the kind of guy that if anybody's going to talk, it's going to be him. I'd rather him be the one that talks because he's a leader on this defense. And that, like again, that takes the focus off McDuffie, off Jalen or Joshua Williams, off of Jalen Watson, and they can just go out there and play their game. No one's focusing on them. Everyone's focused on what Justin Watson did. And I think that's a smart move on his end. Now, I look at this matchup, and I see that uh, the Bengals are coming into this game with the 11th-ranked scoring defense and the 8th-ranked defense and fewest yards allowed. So they've been a really good defense. But there's context to their matchups. This is who These are the passing offenses that the Bengals have faced this season. The Steelers that are 28th. Cowboys are 22nd because they played a lot of their season with Cooper Rush. The Jets who are 23rd. Miami was 2nd, but to a guy the concussion in the second quarter in that game, so that doesn't even really count. Uh, the, the, the Ravens who are 25th. The Saints that at that time were the 7th ranked because they were just playing in blowouts and were throwing the ball left and right. The Falcons who were 31st. The Browns who were 17th. Panthers who were 27th. The Steelers again who were 28th. And then the Titans who were 30th. The Chiefs have the number one passing offense in the NFL, and they're coming into this game about as healthy as they've been all season, outside of McCole Harmon and Kadarius Toney, but Kadarius Toney's only been on this team for a couple of weeks, so I can't even put him in there. The Chiefs have faced four top ten defenses this season. They went three and one of those games and averaged 31 points per game in those ones. Patrick Mahomes in those games, 66 completion percentage, 364 yards per game, nine touchdowns, five interceptions with, nine, with a 99 quarterback rating. And the Chiefs have also faced uh, uh, on the, on the road. I'm sorry, on the road this season, the Chiefs are four and one. They averaged 35 points per game, outscoring their opponents 176 to 122. That is a 50 plus 54 on the road. The Chiefs have been an unbelievable team on the road. Patrick Mahomes has been unreal this season on the road. 66 completion percentage, 325 yards per game, 15 passing touchdowns to only three interceptions, averages over nine yards per attempt with a 115 quarterback rating. Unreal numbers on the road. They have three different 40-point games on the road this season. Two of them are against division leaders and the Niners and the Bucks. Patrick Mahomes, see, I, I know that we're going to talk a lot about him in this matchup, and I want to talk about something that sounds really odd, but it's something I think is going to pay dividends for the Chiefs. So we know that Patrick Mahomes has the highest quarterback rating in the history of the NFL. And there are games where he just doesn't play his best, and he has bad ratings. Last week against the Rams, we talked about it was a very ho-hum matchup, and you know Patrick Mahomes wasn't really playing all that great. He didn't really care. You know, Just get healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes had an 85 quarter, quarterback rating in that game against the Rams. So I decided, because I'm a lunatic, to start look up looking up Patrick Mahomes' numbers in his career, playoffs included, after a game when he has a quarterback rating of 85 or lower. This is after that, following a matchup of that. The Chiefs are 15-2 in those games. He completes 63% of his passes, 293 passing yards per game, 43 touchdowns to only 12 interceptions with a 112 quarterback rating. And then there's the revenge factor to also play into this. We know this is the most important game left on the Chiefs' schedule. Because after this... Over my dead body game. Yeah, after this, the Chiefs are playing a team, and the Seahawks are probably going to be a wild-card team at best, and then a bunch of bad teams. But it's the Bengals that the Chiefs are focusing on. And how they lost... The the Bengals are the only team that Patrick Mahomes has never beaten that he's faced multiple times. And in the Patrick Mahomes era, when he plays... The Chiefs are 8-1 and one 
in regular season games versus teams they they they, they beat them in the previous season. Eight and one. The only other team that the only team that's ever beaten them multiple regular season games is the Bills. That's the only team that's beaten them back to back times. And see, folks assume that Joe Burrow is just going to torch this defense because of what he did in that regular season game last year. Which, by the way, he didn't even play that well in the in the playoff game. Mm-hmm. They had like 245 yards, one touchdown, one he interception. Wasn't that great the whole postseason last. And Legarius Sneed picked him off. And they called yeah. that horrific defensive pass interference bullshit on yeah. him. They assume that because you look at the Chiefs' naked numbers on the defensive side, you're thinking, man, they're going to give up a lot of points in the air. they got, they got a lot of guys on that other side. But see, what people forget are a couple key things that I just it, it baffles me. Trent McDuffie missed six games this season, and he's supposed to be their number one corner and has been when he's played. Statistically, he's been on lockdown corner outside of one game against the Jags, which was mostly garbage time, by the way. He's missed 33% of the season. And the biggest thing is the Chiefs have given up the third most passing touchdowns this season. 27 to be exact. That's a lot. Nine of those 27 have come when the Chiefs are up double digits. So in other words, a third of the Chiefs' deep defensive touchdowns allowed on the, in the air have come when the Chiefs are going to win the game. Chasing points. Chasing points. I mean, the Chiefs have only given up 30 points this season once, and it was to the Buccaneers who were down 17 points three times in that game. Yeah, it was a that rap. game was never close. Yeah. The Chiefs had that game decided after the first half. It was 28 to 10. The point I'm making is this Chiefs defense is so much better than what their numbers indicate. And the the Bengals, although a very talented offense, I think they've scored 30 points in six of the last seven games, have benefited significantly off of playing not only inferior opponents for the majority of their schedule, but have been playing bad offenses for the majority of their schedule. Now they face the, the, the juggernaut of them all. And again, the reason I'm so comfortable is not just the revenge factor, not just because of how great the Chiefs have been on the road, but when they have to play at their best against a team like this, they've done it far more than they have it. Far more than they have it. You get, look at the Titans game. 20-17, to 17, you're thinking, man, the Chiefs weren't that good. I would have to believe if Ryan Tannehill was playing in that game, the Chiefs would have put up 30-plus points because they knew they had to because the offense would have been better on the other side as opposed to Malik Willis. I'm not making excuses. I'm just contextualizing because I saw what they did against the Niners. I saw what they did against the Bucks. I saw what they did against the Cardinals, their first game together as a nucleus. And furthermore, the Bengals... They did such a great job against this team last year by dropping eight. It's because of the fact the Chiefs had an offense that, although had Tyreek Hill, were very limited in how they approached games. They were an offense that knew they had to feed Tyreek Hill and they had to feed Travis Kelsey. And every once in a while, a D-Rob or a Byron Pringle or McCole Hardman would get a nice little second and seven reception. Now, the Chiefs have a team that six games this season, Patrick Mahomes has completed a pass to at least nine different players. It is by far the most in the NFL. This team goes seven to ten different receivers deep. There's Outside of Travis Kelsey, there's not a guy on this team that you know for certain is going to have a big game. You just Outside of Travis Kelsey, there's nobody. You can have a Justin Watson game. You can have an MVS game. You can have a Sky Moore game, a Kadarius Tony, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman. It goes down the Jody freaking Ford. list. Thank you. Noah Gray. These guys have all been huge. The Chiefs have been playing more 12 personnel than they ever have in the Andy Reid era this season. This is a completely different offense. This is a completely different defense than what the Bengals faced last season. To me, and, and, and I want to put this out here, guys, because this is proving my point. 
Patrick Mahomes last season versus three pass rushers or less in 2021, including playoffs, completed 65% of his passes, 5.6 yards per attempt, 10 to 5 touchdown interception ratio with only an 88 quarterback rating and a minus 4.3 in completion percentage over expected. This season against three pass pass rushers or less, 77 completion percentage, 9 yards per attempt, 6 to 1 touchdown interception ratio with a 126 quarterback rating and a plus 5.6 5.6 completion percentage over expected. In other words, Patrick Mahomes is even a different quarterback than what he was last year. So given all the motivating factors and all the revenge factors and the difference in, in, in personnel, I feel better about this game than I ever did last season, even when the Chiefs were up 21-3 in the AFC Championship. Even with all that considered, I feel better about this matchup now than I did back then when I knew I was certain the Chiefs were going to go to the Super Bowl based upon that lead. Back-to-back games against the Bengals with 18-point leads, and they lose the same exact way in the second half. The Chiefs are going to make sure that doesn't happen. And the key to this game, guys, and I'm going to put this out here because I know this is going to be something that we're all going to be paying attention to. This game is going to come down to Steve Spagnuolo once again. Trusting his front seven to not only get pressure, but bring Joe Burrow down unlike they could in the AFC Championship. We saw the Titans have nine sacks against Joe Burrow the week previous, and then the Chiefs get one sack yeah. the next week. It's it, it's simply unfathomable how they pulled that off. Chris Jones had to spend all offseason replaying and reliving his performance in that AFC Championship, knowing that he had simply brought down Burrow on that play in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs are going to the third consecutive Super Bowl, and he didn't do it. I am fully anticipating that. Jones is going to be at his absolute best this week, and it won't have to be all on him because this time, unlike last season, he has more help around him. Guys like George Karloftis are better than Frank Clark to this point. Carlos Dunlap is better than Frank Clark at this point. The reason I'm bringing Frank Clark up is he was the second best edge rusher on this team last season outside of Melvin Ingram, who is a mid-season addition. The Chiefs are far more deeper and more dangerous up front. And this is a game in which I am challenging Steve Spagnuolo as much as I can to please, please trust your guys up front this game. The Bengals' offensive line, uh, my, our producer Clay Winler handed me this stat. Their offensive line has a 48% win percentage. Offensive line basically meaning when the rush is coming, they win that matchup. Mm-hmm. 48%. That's below 50-50. Joe Burrow's been getting sacked like he was last season. Maybe a little bit less, but yes, 33 times. Thank you. He's on pace for over 50 sacks this season. The Chiefs have 33, 35 sacks on the year. The Chiefs have a win rate of over 74% on their offensive line. And you know, guys, there's going to come a time in this game where the Chiefs have the Bengals offense on a third and 15 plus, and Spags is going to be tempted to send the house, leaving a single high safety and that one-on-one press man coverage on the outside. That decision... Cost the Chiefs the game against the Bills. I know Patrick Mahomes had those two costly interceptions, but if you don't put Joshua Williams on that island against Gabe Davids and Stephon Diggs, they don't have those two touchdowns. And that was on Spags 100%. Sending the dogs, letting Josh Allen do what he did over the top. And it almost cost the Chiefs the game against the Chargers a couple of weeks ago when he had that third and 17 against Keenan Allen, and he got absolutely burned on that big play. Spags, Spags, uh, that decision can be done, and you can go gung-ho and have that reckless abandonment against Malik Willis and Bryce Perkins. You can't have that against Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow. Spags has to trust his front seven and force the Bengals to go 10 to 15 play drives and not allow these easy third-down conversions. 
What he needs to do is take a page out of the Bengals playbook from last season and drop your pass protection and then dial up those those classic Spags blitzes when the time is right. Because you know Steve, you know he's going to send Snead. You know he's going to send Willie Gay. You know he's going to send Nick Bolton. Those are going to happen. But do it at the right times. Don't go on third and longs and leave these rookie guys on these islands against these wide receivers. They're going to destroy them. You even saw it last season at third and 27. Shervier's words all over Jamar Chase. Has his hand on the freaking ball and Jamar Chase still comes up with that play you cannot allow that in this game Chiefs cannot turn on the ball over Patrick Holmes cannot have these costly little interceptions these dumb head scratching interceptions yes they got to be efficient in the red zone and their defense has to allow Chris Jones Karloftis Mike Dana and Carlos Dunlap to do what they do to do what they get paid let these guys go out there and do that trust your secondary to go out there and play more of a safe style of defense and force Joe Burrow to beat you with 10 plus plays not three because that's what happened in last year's matchups and that's why the Chiefs took two L's. The Chiefs do that. They're going to win this game. Trevor, how do you see this game going? Man, um, so first of all, just to address the, the Justin Reed comment, I don't think he was trying to talk shit, really. I just think he was kind of, kind of caught him off guard, and like he just kind of like made a comment in, in, in the moment, and I don't think he was like really trying to like rile anything up. I think he kind of put his foot in his mouth after it, and I think he kind of didn't like it, but I'm all for shit talk. I'm all for it if you can back it up. So Justin Reed's going to need to go out there and back it up and play good football this week. Um, I'm going to need to see that because I don't want guys talking trash. I can't back it up. I can't have that on my team. And or as a fan, I don't want to see it or hear it. Um, so if you're going to do it, you better back it up. That's all I have to say about that. I'm all for it. Uh, but please just, just play some good football. If you're going to do that, especially against this team in this matchup. Um, I guess you could, you could argue that that puts more pressure on the, on the rest of the guys as well to follow up with that shit talk. But at the same time, I get what you're saying about him kind of taking the onus and putting it on himself as the leader. I guess that, that is a way to look at it as well. Oh, uh, nonetheless, I, I mean, I'm just going to need this defense to step up and play uh, because you know, all that did was motivate the absolute elite weapons on that offense at the Bengals. So that's not something I always want to encourage or rile up. But e- either way, I mean, it's not like this team wasn't going to get up for this game anyway. It's going to be a battle on both ends. So, um, yeah, as far as this game goes, man, I uh, we, we know we could put up points on this Bengals defense. The, this this Bengals team is the exact same roster basically outside of a couple moves on the on the offensive line. Uh, we know we can go out there and put up big points in the in the first half. The biggest difference is our defense is going is finishing plays on quarterbacks. We're getting sacks, and we've shown that we are willing to adjust at halftime. That was something we were completely stubborn on these last two matchups with uh, with against these guys. They adjusted a defense, and they're incredible adjusting a defense in the second half. After they see what the offense of the opposition is bringing that first half, they'll allow you to get a little lead on them, and they'll adjust and shut you down. And they did that to the great Patrick Mahomes twice in one season. So I have mad respect for those for that kind of adjustment, that kind of coaching prowess from the Cincinnati Bengals side. Um, so I am very much in respect to that, and I, I think the Chiefs are forced to at this point now after dropping twice to them, um, not only in the playoffs but in the regular season as well. Um, so I, I'm expecting the Chiefs defensively and offensively, specifically offensively, to adjust with the defensive adjustments into the second half. Uh, from the Bengals because that's that's where we fell flat. They adjusted. They found ways to to uh, uh, shut down Travis Kelsey in those second halves, and we can't have that happen again, right? That's the way we lost those games. And plus, it really comes down to the two things: it is our defense, defensive line getting there and finishing plays, and our offense continuing to find ways to to move the ball and get production offensively and continue to put up points uh, in the second half. Um, because the Bengals have been great at shutting people down, not only just the, the Chiefs or anybody, uh, but everybody. Uh, in the second half. So, 
Those are my two main points. It's just um, in the little narrative, too, with Carlos Dunlap coming back to Cincinnati and having a little, you know, he spent most of his career there, um, you know, having a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder for that one to kind of, you know, remind the fans, you know, because they, they bailed on him a little earlier than he probably liked. Uh, so there's a little there, the little chip on his shoulder there. So any kind of inspiration that our defensive linemen or outside, you know, edge rushers can have to want to go perform. I'm all in on that. So I like those little nuggets going into these matchups, uh, finding little ways to find extra momentum uh, in this big game. This is the biggest game really for the Chiefs. I mean, we can talk about the Bills game, but this is the game <laughs> we know we can do against the Bills. Yeah. Um, so losing the Bills isn't that big of a deal for us. And I don't think in this city, if you live here, you never felt like much of a big letdown when we lost that game. It is what it is. It's fine. We move on. We know what happens when we when the, when the chips are all on the table and we face them in the playoffs. We know we have uh, uh, that on our side. So... This is a team that has gotten the best of us twice in one season, um, let alone beating us twice in one season. But, I mean, just the fact that the way that they beat us, we were up both games uh, and we squandered both second halves. Um, you know, and that's got to eat at any, if it eats at anybody, it's Patrick Mahomes. You know, we know how competitive this guy is, uh, 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 you know, night in, night out. And, um, you know, this is against not only one of his peers, but, I mean, um, a team that's you know willing to that is trying to take the throne uh, from the Chiefs as the team in the AFC. You know they were just in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they failed, but they were just in the Super Bowl. They they took our chances from getting there. Um, and Pat, this is Patrick Mahomes' peer and, and Joe Burrow, uh, and a lot of guys are trying to call him the you know this, this is the Peyton Manning uh, um, Tom Brady matchup, which I think is still ridiculous in my mind. But if they go out there and beat us again. I can't call that ridiculous, you know what I mean? Because this is they, they they easily will be you know crowned the kryptonite to the Patrick Mahomes led Chiefs, um, and I don't want that as a fan. I don't want that to be a thing because I have respect for Joe Burrow and this Bengals team, but we've got to go out there and find a way to put them away. And this I, this this honestly lines up and uh, uh, for another Patrick Mahomes over my dead body kind of game. Um, we are a different team too. I mean, like you said, this is a different Chiefs team. This is not the same team. Uh, they're not. They don't have to go out there and try to just you know uh, bracket Travis Kelsey or bracket Tyreek Hill or try to play over the top to keep Tyreek Hill from taking the top off. Um, and you know we have to limit our turnovers too. That is that is a key thing because we did turn the ball over a couple times in both those matchups. Uh, tip balls and Tyreek Hill, you know, not catching a big time ball downfield to, to extend the, the the life of this game. Um, so. Yeah, this is um this is the game that I think most Chiefs fans and I myself circled when we saw the the, the schedule come out. Um, revenge is a hell of a motivator, man. And when Patrick Mahomes is as competitive as he is, as Travis Kelsey as competitive as he is, and Andy Reid is as competitive as he is, uh, uh, I think we're going to have a great little game plan here ready for these guys. And um, for me, it's just play the game through. That's my that's my message to this Chiefs team. That's my message to myself and when I'm going into this, ma uh, this matchup and uh, the motivation is just to finish the game, you know. No empty quarters, no no uh, 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 um, you know quick three and out drives. Find ways to keep drives alive. Keep that offense uh, of, the, of the the Bengals on the sideline. Run the ball. Play a balanced attack, um, and sack Joe Burrow. If we do those two things, if we if we continue to put up points and have nice long drives with the end in points, and we're not playing the ball, and we're sacking Joe Burrow, we win this game. Because those are the two things that we couldn't do last time. We did in the first half, but we couldn't sack Joe Burrow. We couldn't bring him down. We allowed him to run on us and extend plays. If we if we stop that and we continue to put up points into the second half and we extend a lead that I expect us to have, the game's over. That's how we lost both those times last time. So if we if we just change those two things, 
Chiefs win. I am very confident that we do those things because we've been doing it all year. So it's going to be a hell of a game, man. I, I expect both these teams to put up points. These are two great offenses going at it. Um, but like you said, the, the, the Bengals have not faced the competition that Chiefs have gone through yet. Uh, their, their remaining schedule is very difficult compared to ours. Looking <laughs> pretty damn easy. I, I don't like to use the word easy, but it, it's lining up pretty well for us to make a great run here and finish the season very strong and not so much for the Bengals. they got a challenge ahead, and I think they, this could be a trap situation for them. They're looking ahead, and they know they have a bunch of tough games ahead of them within their own division, um, and we don't. So this is a game we can just go full ham and just let them have it and let them think about the rest of their, their season ahead, and we can kind of rest and kind of take an easy on the rest of our path here. So I think the Chiefs go out there and handle business, man. There we go. Let's go, Eddie. Let's go. You no, know me and Lance is both one Let's go, Eddie. <laughs> this might be the one game, huh? I'm going to do it. Uh, Trevor mentioned kryptonite, and I think this is that kryptonite to, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think this is a very good team. Uh, very, very competitive when they're healthy, and I think they're getting healthy at the right time, uh, especially in this home stretch, uh, going into uh, defining games, uh, must-win game situations in order to, to, to make the playoffs. And I think the Bengals are that team that want to make that wild card because I think right now they're they're sitting out of the playoffs. I think who is the no, Bengals? They're the no, they're the wild card. They're six seed right now. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, they're, they're a team that is definitely up for the division, uh, especially with the the loss that the Ravens had last week against the Jaguars. Yeah, the Ravens uh, coming up. So too. so now you got the Bengals who can who can uh, win this game and potentially give that get the Ravens a, a run for their money for the division. Uh, so I think this is a a perfect game for 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 the Bengals, uh, especially they're getting Jamar Chase back this game. Uh, he looks healthy. Uh, he's talking that trash, you know. So uh, I'm not a big fan of players that talk that trash. Uh, the trash talk uh, <clears throat> we saw it in the, in the World Cup recently with Canada, with the head coach talking about uh, when they lost, Canada lost their first game to uh, Belgium. They said we're just gonna fuck Croatia up uh, next game. And what ended up happening, they ended up losing 4-1 against Croatia. Uh, I, I just don't like it. Uh, I'm with Andy Reid on this one. Uh, I wouldn't let players uh, talk that shit either. Uh, just just for the simple fact that if you can't back it up, it's, it, it's going to come down. It's going to bite you in the ass. And fans are not going to forget that. They're going to remind you of that shit constantly. So uh, I'm, I'm picking the Bengals. Uh, I, I just think. That uh, with Jamar Chase uh, out out on the field, and you got T. Higgins, you got all these players. Uh, the way our secondary struggles a little bit uh, with with big receivers, I think it's it's going to have a, a a hell of a, a workload this week. And this is going to be one of those games where you can't you can't leave uh, Jamar Chase one on one with anybody. It doesn't matter if you have uh, Snead on them. We saw what he did to Charverius uh, Ward last year, where he Charverius Ward tipped the ball, but Jamar Chase still came down with it and tiptoed uh, his way in, in for a catch. I just think uh, the the Bengals uh, can definitely outplay our defense. Uh, they've done it in the past. Uh, the defense can't find a way to to stop Joe Burrow. Uh, I'm definitely going off of the two games that we've played so far. I know these teams are completely different now this year, this turnaround. But I still think that, uh, that the Bengals uh, can definitely pull this one out, especially at home, uh, especially with the motivation that they beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. They know that they can beat this Chiefs team. Uh, so 
a lot of the all the pressures on the Chiefs, uh, all the pressures on Mahomes. Can he beat Joe Burrow? I don't think this is gonna be the game where he uh, he beats Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow has the Chiefs number and. I'm picking the Bengals. Okay. I want to put some uh, quick numbers out there real quick, and then we'll give our key players, and then we'll move on to the final uh, segment of the show. Um, just to put it out there, so the Bengals have faced five playoff teams this season. They're 3-2 and two against them, and they average 22 points per game against those teams. But they faced the Jets in Week 3 when they had Joe Flacco, and the Jets had four turnovers in that game. They did beat them. Uh, second one was against Miami in that primetime game when Joe, Tua Tagovailoa <laughs> got knocked out again in the concussion. They ended, the playing, yeah, they ended up playing uh, the Teddy Bridgewater in that one. Um, and then if you look at the rest of the schedule, uh, they're all their 30-point games and above were against bad teams, against the Saints, against the Falcons, against the Panthers, and against the Steelers. They also got destroyed by the Browns. Exactly. And you got the Steelers in prime time. So that, that was that's what I'm saying. Like the Bengals are a very good team, and I really do like them. I like Joe Burrow a lot. I think they have potential. Jamar Chase will play in this game, but he will also be on a snap count. He will also, he won't be playing a full game. They've lost three division uh, games too. Uh, he'll play a full game. He has a hairline fracture I, and he's back for the first time in bro, five it's weeks. That's a hip issue too. That's like a hip issue. Not, I don't think he's gonna play this full he was game. On crutches last they will have week. him in a pitch count. He yeah. will play fifteen to twenty five snaps in this game. Highly doubt he plays the whole game. He can play effectively but I don't think he's going to be playing 40 to 60 snaps in this game. Point being, yeah. Joe Mixon's still in concussion protocol, so that's also a factor. They also can't run the ball with or without but Joe, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon hasn't been, been that good Exactly. This year. He's had, had like two really good games this season. But the, the, the Chiefs' run defense not, not the The great. Chiefs are the fourth in run We're, defense this season, good, though. We've that's the a, point. Yeah. Like They've had games where they've given up points, but it hasn't mattered. The Chiefs are 38-15 and 15 in games they give up 100 rushing yards. Yeah. So even if the Bengals were to run the ball in this game, I still don't think that's going to be a major factor in this one. And again, because of the fact the Chiefs have been so damn good on the road this year, I don't think it's going to matter that's going to be in Cincinnati. In fact, I actually like that better because if it was an arrowhead for some damn reason, the Chiefs just don't play with the same juice on both sides of the ball. For some reason, they really like being on the road this year, both offensively and defensively. So I just I just think so many things favor the Chiefs in this matchup. Yeah. They have the better quarterback, better coach, better run game. Skill positions are very equivalent. If you really look at it from a, from a just a broad perspective, I think it's very equivalent. Well, I, the think, Chiefs, I, I think Isaiah Pacheco has brought a new dynamic yeah. to this offense as well. Yeah. Yeah. you got to factor that in because we had a zero running game the last two times we played. Right. And, and Clyde, the, Clyde did not do much against these two yes. teams. Yes. And yeah. although the Chiefs statistically don't have the better defense, I actually think they have the better defense. I do too. The Bengals have not played. I broke it all down. They've played all of the bottom 15 offenses yeah. consistently throughout the season. So they've just been killing these bad off. You better play that well against these bad offenses. And they've been feasting on bad opponents. But when they play, when they play good def good defenses, good teams, playoff teams, are only averaging 22 I mean, points Jones a game. Chris Jones alone is better than any two combined players on yeah. that defense. And meanwhile, so. and meanwhile, the Chiefs are 3-1 and one against playoff teams, averaging 31 points per game. Yeah. So that's where I'll leave it. That's where I think it's going to happen. Key, key players to this game for me are two. Patrick Mahomes playing the, the way Patrick Mahomes plays. He's going to be just fine. I think Patrick Holmes is going to have a massive game. But the guy that I think this game is going to come down to is Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm going to pick Juju this week okay. because I think it's going to be a third down kind of game. And Juju's been that guy over the last several weeks that has been reliable on third downs. I think Juju's going to be that guy for Patrick Holmes in this game. I think he's going to have a big statistical game because I don't think there's anybody in that secondary that can stop him. And they still had Uzoma, Ozuma, Ozuma. Yeah, Uzoma. If they had him, oh, this would be a, this would be a tight matchup. He's their best corner. He's out. I think that Juju's going to have a big game in this one. 
Defensively, it's easy. Chris Jones. Chris Jones, go make up for what you didn't do in the AFC Championship. Go get Joe Burrow. I'm expecting Chris Jones to have a big game in this week. I think he's going to have multiple sacks in this game. And I think Joe Burrow, Joe, uh, Chris Jones is going to be in the backfield a lot in this one and give himself another chance to be Defensive Player of the Year. Trevor, who are you yeah, two? Yeah, is actually the, they're, they're tied in from last year. Um, Not Azuma. I'm sorry. Is he way or something like that? No, it's Azuzo or something. Like What's his freaking name? I, uh, I, I don't care. Their corners are not even that good in my mind. Uh, let so me look it up. Really yeah. But, um, Eli Apple and those guys suck. Sky Moore is my offensive guy here. I think Sky Moore is going to continue to build on with with with, with uh, McCole Hardman out and, and Kadarius Tony out. I think Sky Moore is brought in for a game like this, if I'm being honest with you. I know he's a rookie, but the um, the Bengals like to play that 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 cover two. And who's great against cover two? Who's been looking really good against cover two? Who's incredible at beating the defender off the line of scrimmage? So if they try to play any kind of press, any kind of cover two, any kind of soft zone or anything like that, they try to get to uh, uh, um, Patrick with you know four guys trying to get there and not blitz Patrick and kind of you know coverage and play. I kept saying his name wrong. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. He's him. Him being out is is big. Um, Sky Moore, I think, is going to eat this week. I think he's going to eat in that. I think Patrick, even on if you guys watch the New Heights podcast, Patrick was talking about. I know he's had he's had the woes in the in the special teams um, um, situation there going on there, but outside of that, him as a receiver, the 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 connection is growing between him and Patrick Mahomes, and I think it only grows further in this matchup. And I think he's 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 going to be called upon. I know Juju's going to probably have his moments as well, and that connection's already there. It's been there. And it's obviously been showing. Uh, but I think this is a great matchup for Sky Moore. I think with his speed and his twitchiness and his ability to create space, especially beating guys out the line of scrimmage, I think he's going to be a headache for that secondary. He may not score a touchdown, but I think he's going to eat as far as getting the ball out quick and Patrick finding him uh, even when plays break down and his ability to do things with the ball after the catch. I think it's going to be on full display. I think he's going to have his best game as a Chief this this week, uh, okay. and I think he's going to come up big. Uh, I think he could score. I think there's there's a I think there's a great potential if we get into a red zone and and things get tight. Uh, he there's a there's a, maybe an end round play or or a jet sweep or something where he we find a way to get him and use his speed uh, to get into the end zone. I think Sky Moore has a really really good week and his best week as a I chief like this week. Um, <clears throat> I always say just because I think with the coverages that the Bengals play that works into his skill set. That's what we brought him in for. And games like this where things are tight and they're really trying to play that cover too, and he's gonna beat it. Um, my defensive guy. I was I was I was debating on who I wanted to pick here. I'm gotta go. I gotta go with McDuffie here, man. Okay, this is his moment. Yeah, this is he may he may allow a couple plays here and there because that is the talent that the, that uh, the Bengals do uh, possess. Uh, they, no matter what corner uh, you you have out there, they tend to find ways to beat you. T. Higgins is an absolute monster. We struggle against guys like that, big frame, body, fast, fifty uh, fifty ball kind of guys. We struggle with those guys. This 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 secondary is different though than like you, you said. I'm not actually worried about Jamar Chase as much as I am T. Higgins. Jamar Chase beat us with yards after catch against a very slow secondary last year. Um, an older, slow, not good at coverage and yards. We allowed way too much yards after catch. This this team is different this year. We have youth. We have speed. We have guys that make tackles and don't take plays off. The secondary is different this year, and we are we are we're, I think more we're more built to stop guys like Jamar. Not stop, but slow down Jamar Chase's he'll catch a lot of balls underneath and then and then beat you and he we saw him just absolutely shred our defense after the catch and I don't think we're going to allow that T Higgins is the one that that worries me and I think McDuffie's going to see a lot of T Higgins on the outside yeah I think he's up for it 
Okay. Um, I think this is a, he's going to allow a couple catches. Don't get me wrong. I think there's going to be a couple moments where we're like, damn. I think he make a, I think he makes a couple plays in this game. We're like, yes, like clutch plays. And I think this is his moment to to really establish himself as a fan favorite and and the new guy in the secondary because we don't know what's going to happen with Legarius Sneed this offseason. He's going to want money. We may pay him. We may not. I think this is one of those situations where Trent McDuffie can really establish himself as the guy if we can maybe be okay with letting Legarius walk. I don't want that to happen. I think we can figure out a way to keep him here. But if so, we can we can, we can establish ourselves that we have the guy, a, a lockdown, shutdown corner and uh, Trent McDuffie. I think this is his best opportunity to prove it. As we go into the easy part of our schedule where you don't have to worry about that too much, this can be a moment where he can actually let his skill set shine and, and let everybody know why we drafted him or we drafted him in, the, in this NFL draft. Um, so my guy is Trent McDuffie. Eddie, I know you have to get out of here, so give us your matchup, your key guys, and then give us your score. Okay, uh, I'm going with uh, Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is gonna it's gonna be a game changer in this one. I think he's gonna make throws that obviously he's he's gonna have to make. Uh, this is a must win situation for the Bengals, and I think Joe Burrow understands that and knows that, and I think he's gonna go out there and 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 play play at a level that obviously the Bengals need him to play, and I think. Uh, uh, I'm not going to have a defensive player on this one. I think it's going to be T. Higgins uh, on my second player. I think uh, having a rookie corner on on Higgins throughout this game, I think it's going to counteract in my pick. Huh? I see you. <laughs> it could it could definitely backfire on the Chiefs, and I think T. Higgins could be that player where he can he could definitely go off, especially off of a rookie, especially if they go one on one. And and I mean, it all depends on how how long how, how many snaps Jabbar Chase uh, plays because it. If he doesn't play that many, then they're gonna put uh, Snead on on Higgins, and then they're gonna move Higgins on. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I, I mean McDuffie on somebody else. Uh, but I think if Higgins uh, is uh, if his his guy is uh, T Higgins uh, McDuffie, I think I think Higgins is is definitely gonna win that duel. Uh, and and I definitely got uh, Joe Burrow obviously performing. Uh, I'm gonna go with the score of. Uh, 31-27 Bengals. I like it. All right, Eddie. We appreciate it, man. I know you got to get yeah, out of here. See you. See you, man. Right, man. Um, yeah, so that, that was the next question I was going to ask, Trevor, before we give our score prediction is, is how many points do the Chiefs need to score, uh, in your opinion? Like, how many ga- how many points would the Chiefs have to score in order to win this game? And then how many points would the Bengals have to score in order to win this game? And for me, I don't think the Chiefs, and I know this might sound a little arrogant, but I don't think the Chiefs would have to score 30 points in this game to win because I don't think the Bengals have an offense that, as talented as they are, I have not seen the Bengals this season trade blows with a great offense. I've not seen them do it. They haven't had a big shootout with a great offense this season. And this is by far their biggest challenge. So as, as much as people like Eddie himself, I wish he was still able you know, to sit here and talk about it. Yeah, they get forced into a situation to shoot out with the yeah. game. Like even the Browns game, when the Browns were putting up points on right. it, they couldn't really counteract it. And that's kind of what I'm like. And the Browns have a terrible defense. And I know right. they're a divisional foe, so there's context to that. My point, though, is, is that I don't think the Chiefs would have to score 30 points to win a game in Cincinnati. Because even if you look at the way they were playing last season both times, had they just simply kept things the way they were going they wouldn't have had to do it because they kept giving the Bengals extra possessions they were giving them extra opportunities to score points and even in the AFC championship they held the Bengals to 27 points that was in overtime so I look at this game I don't think the Chiefs have to score 30 I think the Bengals would have to score 30 to beat the Chiefs because they have to make sure that they can outscore Patrick Mahomes and on the road that is just simply not happening the Chiefs are outscoring teams on the road by 54 points that is absurd so I think in the scoring aspect of this I 
based on trends, based on the way Patrick has played, the offense has played on the road, and how much this game matters to the Chiefs. Because although, yes, it does matter in the one seed aspiration of things, where if the Chiefs lose, the Bills get the one seed back. So they know they have to win this game in order to maintain that. But I think it's also because of a pride thing, where they know this is a team that has owned them over this last year. They don't want that to add to the equation where they're down 0-3 against the Bengals, and then there's a potential chance they face each other in the playoffs again. And that actually might be in Cincinnati, for all we know, if the Chiefs were to lose this game. So... I think the Chiefs are going to go out here, and I think they're going to score a ton of points, Trevor. I think they're going to go out here and put up 35 points against this Bengals defense. Oh, yeah. And I think the Bengals, although, again, this could be close throughout the game where the Bengals play well offensively and their defenses will be fine. I think the Chiefs are going to have 500 yards of offense in this game. I think Patrick Williams is going to have four touchdowns, over 400 yards of passing offense. And I think the Bengals are going to get anywhere between 24 to 27 points. So if I'm going to make a prediction right now, I'm going to say the Chiefs win 35 to 27. The Bengals don't score 30 points and the Chiefs only have still one game where they've allowed 30 points. And there's context to that one with the Buccaneers and their defense steps up when they need to and then coast the rest of this game, this season and maintaining the one seed. We'll get to those games when that time comes. But I think the Chiefs make a statement in this game, Trevor. And in fact, it would not. It would shock me more if the Chiefs don't score 30 points than if they don't score 40. I think there's a chance the Chiefs get into the 40s in this game. Because they've played a better defense against the Niners. And at that time, the Bucks were a better defense than the, than the Bengals. And they dropped 40 on both of those defenses in their houses. I think that the Chiefs have a very good chance of dropping 40. But I'll play it a little safer and say the Chiefs score in the mid-30s. 35-27 is my score. What's yours? Well, it's funny you say that because I'll see your 35 and raise it five more points because I had the Chiefs scoring 40. Here. I like it. Um, and for my reason, my reasoning for saying that we score 40, because I think this is a game where we have... We have we have an easy rest of rest schedule for the most part. Rest of the way, we have a couple of divisional games. Um, they don't mean as much right now because the Raiders are done. We're not worried about the Broncos right now. Uh, Broncos are so bad they're getting pulled. We're, they're forcing us to lose primetime spots. Um, so this is kind of an all-in game right now. Yeah, we're down a couple guys. Um, having McColl would be huge in this game because that guy, that guy does is seemingly score touchdowns, um, and he's very effective in, when we get in the red zone. So not having him is a is a um, is a downer, but. Patrick's done nothing but show he can put up points against this this uh, this defense. We put up forty plus points in both the first halves we played against them combined. Um, so you factor that in, and we can put together two whole games. We could put up eighty plus points against these guys in both those matchups. We just failed in both those second halves, and I don't expect that because we are a different team this year. We are a better team defensively and offensively this year. The Bengals are the same exact team. You know what I mean? So, and I think we've learned from those matchups. And this this is 100% over the, my dead body uh, uh, game for Patrick. This is not he does not want to lose three straight games to Joe Burrow. That's his, this is his peer, right? This is this is him. Say we were dealing with the same thing with Lamar Jackson. Remember we were we were beating Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson when he finally beat us had that mm -hmm. over my dead body kind of game. Yeah. This is what the greats do, right? This is what great competitors do. They don't want to lose like that. So, this is just one of those games where I think the likes of my guy like Sky Moore. Juju, all these guys are going to understand what's going on. What 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 is on the table here? Um, as far as not only pride but just bragging rights and and and, and a, a, a leverage heading into the postseason, right? This is a big game for us. We need to win this game. Uh, the Bengals need to win this game a little bit more than us, but we still need to win this game because the Bills are continuing. You know, they're going to we keep winning games. Um, the Titans are going to continue to win. This 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 isn't the AFC is not won yet. You know what I mean? So we still have to to go win this game, and this is arguably the biggest game of the regular season for us. And I think we know that, and I think we've had a game plan ready for this defense. I think Andy Reid has been preparing for this game a whole year. I think there's been a game plan building on all season, all offseason leading into this season. I think we were ready to, to – when we saw the schedule, we knew Andy Reid was going to have something ready for these guys. 
and coming off of a very vanilla offensive performance last week, um, you know, against the, the, the Rams, I think we're going to ready un- unleash and showcase uh, what we can actually do in this offense again and kind of remind everybody it's been a minute since we put up 40 plus, and I think this is a great week to do it. Um, I do not think that this Bengals defense is any way scary for our offense. It doesn't really matter. I don't care. You can you can throw any defense out there. It doesn't matter. We've shown what we can do against the likes of the 49ers when they had guys back, when we had Joey Bosa, and everyone was worried about it. We ran right at his ass and t- dominated them. Um, so I'm not worried about it. I think the addition of in the emergence of Isaiah Pacheco, I think we'll, we will showcase him and we'll continue to run the ball at the Bengals. Um, I know they played really well against Derrick Henry, um, but they didn't, they, they're not going to be able to stack the box like they were against Derrick Henry. Um, so this this offense, I think, is going to absolutely just go nuclear, man. I really do. I don't think we're. I think we punt maybe once in this game, um, and I think we change what we've done the last two times. We learn from our mistakes in the second half. We make second half adjustments offensively, not just defensively. But like I said, my two keys to winning this game are finishing sacks, bring Joe Burrow down to the the ground because that's what he's good at. Uh, no offense to him, he 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 always is tops in the league at getting sacked. We need to take advantage of that this time around. And we're just going to put up points, and I expect us not to not to take our foot off the gas in any way. Even if we're up double digits, I think we continue to pour it on. I think forty, I think forty forty points awaits, and I think we uh, we go win it by double digits. I think the I think the um, AFC Championship game is more relevant in this context than even the regular season game last year. And if we're going to go off of that, I'm going to make another prediction because Patrick Mahomes was so incredible against the Bills the week before they played the Bengals in the AFC Championship on the ground in particular. He had seven rushes for eight, 69 yards and a right. touchdown. And then playing the Bengals, he had three rushes for only 19 yards. And there were so many times in that game when they were just rushing three where Patrick could have just ran for first downs. And it's something we're seeing him do this season more than ever. Especially in big games. He's like, okay, you guys aren't giving me the deep throws. You got my guys in the flat covered. I'm going to run for nine to ten yards. I think Patrick Mahomes has 50 rushing yards in this game. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have multiple first downs on third downs on the ground in this game. That's what you're and it's going to piss. On that. Did you? Okay. Because yeah. it's going to piss the Bengals' defense off so bad because I think they're going to play a very similar style they played last year to see how it works where you don't have Tyreek anymore, but let's see if we can still hold down that drop eight. Mm-hmm. Drop eight. Please, for the love of God, drop eight because Patrick Mahomes has been such a better quarterback this season than last season against drop eight defenses and, and, and only three pass rushers. If the Bengals do that, man, I can see Patrick Mahomes having over 500 yards of offense on his own because I think he's going to throw for over 400 yards in this game, and I think he's going to have 50 rushing yards in this game. He is going to, if, if he has not already solidified the MVP, he's going to do that in this game, and there ain't nobody that's going to be able to argue it because this is, the like you said, the last final big game for the yeah, Chiefs this regular season. Right. Now. They win this game, and they have a profound victory against the Bengals on the road. I think the Chiefs are going to run the table after that if they win this game against the Bengals, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think Patrick is going to have an MVP-esque game. This might be his best game of the season because, again, look against the Niners, you know, he had humongous numbers, and he's had big passing numbers throughout the season, but that Titans game was the weird one because he had 509 yards of offense, yeah. but only they only put up 20 points. I think this is the game where he finally puts that together where he has over 450, 500 yards of offense, but the Chiefs score four or five touchdowns, and I think that's what they're going to do in this game. So, yes, I think Patrick 
Jones is going to definitely do something different. And that game, that AFC 8 championship game he's talked about, was the worst game that he's had mentally. And I think he's, like you said, over my dead body victory. Yep. And I think he's going to have a massive game statistically in this one as well. So I have it right now at 35-27. You have it at 40 what? 40 to... I'll say 40 to 28. Okay, 40. So we have similar scores. I think we have one. a very convincing win. Yeah, I do too. I definitely do too. And let us know what you guys think. Hit us up on YouTube. Hit us up on our social medias. Let us know what you guys think is going to happen in this one. Give us your score prediction. Give us your stat prediction. Whatever prediction you guys have, let us know, man. We'd love to hear from you guys. We have one more order of business to get to. Trevor, what's it called? Hold, Hold this L. L. Each and every week, we finish off each and every every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether those L's in the world of sports are friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports, we promise you, whoever is holding those L's in the world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports. Trevor Twoodwall, who's holding the L for you this week? Before I give him my L, I just want to give a W to uh, the New Heights podcast. Shout out the Kelsey brothers. Um, as we all know as Chiefs fans, there was a special episode this past week, or this week, with uh, the one and only Patrick Mahomes on there, and it was uh, absolute gold. I don't know if you guys watched all two hours of it. It was incredible. I watched. I just watched it last night. I finally got a chance to sit down and watch it. It was great, man. Um, but I'm going to give this W to Matt Nagy. Uh, just for that, uh, everyone's it's been making its rounds about how Patrick Mahomes got the basically the answers on the test from Matt Nagy. Um, you know, going uh, giving the um, the old the playbook, basically the plays that they were gonna you know quiz him on and things like that before he went in there and had that little little sit down and uh, uh, test with Andy Reid. So he passed it with flying colors, obviously. But I just I just love that little that little nugget that Pat gave us uh, about that. So I just want to kind of throw that dub out there to Matt Nagy and I'm. Just glad to have that guy back this year. It, it shows uh, in some of the situational football situations that we've been in. Uh, you can kind of see his little touch on certain things yeah. here and there with the, you know. So I'm just glad to have that guy back, and I'm glad that we got that story from Pat. That was uh, that was some good stuff there. So W for that guy. <clears throat> my, my L. There's there's plenty of L's this week to go through, but um, my L actually goes to a guy that I really love and admire uh, as a player and a defensive player and a, uh, one of the best uh, defensive backs of our era and uh, Patrick Peterson. Um, did something a little more, a little uncharacteristically, I would say, from his, for his, uh, who he's been. You know, a very guy that's um, an integri integrity-based guy that I've always respected and wanted on the Chiefs for some years. Um, but he had the little comment. He was on a podcast. Um, I can't remember whose podcast it was. It doesn't really matter. At the, but the comment is what matters the most. They were discussing Kyler Murray, who you know you can talk about Kyler Murray and the the, the the ups and downs of his career and his personality flaws and so on and so forth. But there's a there's a there's a man code I think especially amongst pro athletes that I think should be upheld at all times. Um, I think it's a lame thing to talk about someone when they're not in the room, and especially on a public platform. Uh, that's a very – he lost a lot of cool points for me, what that matters or not. I'm, a, I'm an average Joe guy here talking on a podcast myself. But um, I'll just talk – so basically Kyler Murray came up in the discussion in the podcast, and uh, they were questioning his leadership and things like that. And, and the quote was from Patrick Peterson – Kyler Murray don't care about anybody but Kyler Murray, Peterson said. That's just a matter of the fact. This is the same guy that you'll all put in his contract. You got to study for hours at a week, Peterson said. Put, but the system messed up. They're requiring you to study for 24 hours, but the system messed up. If you look at it since Kyler's been there, all the stats are all the stats are all the same. records are all the same, but it's consistent. Uh, Peterson added. <clears throat> I'm not saying what he said is not true. I'm not saying that Kyler Murray doesn't have his flaws and the fact that that was in the, in the contract agreement and then eventually was taken out for PR reasons, I'm sure. I'm not saying what he said was false. 
But that's like Eddie leaving this podcast right now and us immediately starting to say some things that we don't like about Eddie. Right. That's just as a, as a, as a man code in general and then an um, athlete rule as in general, especially for two current players and a guy that was a leader for Kyler Murray on that team when he was there for years, you know, a guy that welcomed him in. Um, and then, you know, Kyler had his follow-up <clears throat> Uh, quote leading up to that or in response to that basically saying what I'm saying right now, which I do agree with Kyler here um, talking about how which is hard to do by the way. Yeah, I know exactly. He's not, <laughs> he's not the best soundbite guy, but I do agree with him saying, you know what he said to, in, in response to Patrick Peterson about, listen, man, you, you can, call, you have my number. Yeah. You know, you can call me. Um, you know, you were, you were a, a leader for me when I came here to Arizona and you welcomed me with open arms and we were friends and you never once hinted at the fact that I'm a selfish individual uh, until you're on the on a different team, uh, 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 and now you're now you're on a podcast on a public platform for everyone to see uh, talking shit on me, basically. And I, I I agree with Kyler here, man. I don't think that's that, that's a bad look for Patrick Peterson. Um, I just don't like it. I don't like seeing um, as, as much as we talked about Draymond and guys like that. I, I love the I love the the podcast era that we're in with the open form uh, conversations between athletes on athletes. Yeah, I love it. But even like guys like Draymond, who I disagree with a lot, you don't see him just outside of him talking shit on my Kings, who are ironically one of the best offense, if not the best offense in the NBA right now, talking about how we, you know, they enjoyed beating the shitty teams like the Kings, and he's talking about it on, on the shop. Overall, Draymond tries to keep it you know, respectable, even if he is talking shit to keep it respectful. This was not that. He can make some good points in between the mouth breathing. <laughs> of course. Yeah, there's a lot of breath in those, in those statements. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, you got to keep it at least bring it. If you're gonna if you're gonna criticize someone like that, at least bring it, reel it into with with some respect. At least make it somewhat of a backhanded compliment in a way. Um, but that's not what Patrick Peterson was doing. He was straight up just shit talking Kyler as two current players, as two ex teammates yeah. that never had any you know issues with each other while they were teammates. It's a strange look and a bad look for me. So for that, Patrick Peterson, do me a solid favor, man, and. Hold this L. It's yeah, it's weird too because the fact, like you said, that Patrick Peterson was considered his mentor, and yeah. so the context of it what he was saying, how he was saying it, could, that should have been a text. That should have been a classy call. guy too. It's, yeah. like, it's like seeing Larry Fitzgerald think, go out there and talk. I think to Patrick. Him I think Pat Pete's been feeling himself a little bit because they beat the Cardinals this season. He's he, on a good he's been, team. Yeah, he's been asking for Baldwin or was it. Uh, the owner of the team to because he's like he's avoiding me have him call me and other stuff and then the Kyler Murray stuff's debacling and I'm sure that him and Kyler maybe had an outs I know he had an outs with a lot of the guys on the Cardinals sure. team so maybe they're I just yeah I agree with you though. I think it was, it was bad taste bad yeah. form um, but it's funny because my L is going to be almost in the exact same format but I think these two having this situation is a lot more valid than Pat Pete and Kyle Murray because they're former teammates, both current players, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but you know Charles Barkley loves to get in the mix. Man, he, he loves to get in the mix. This is rough. And um, I'm actually, <laughs> crazy enough, I'm going to take Charles Barkley's side on this one. Uh, so he, being on a platform where he's actually paid to have an opinion, and Charles has always been somebody who's been very honest. That is one thing I'll give Charles. I think he's been really wrong on a lot of stuff and really dumb about a lot of stuff. But one thing I know about Charles is he is a truth teller. He will tell you exactly how he feels, and I will always give him that respect. He was quoted this week when asked about Kevin Durant being insecure in his career. His quote is said, uh, and this is via Taylor Rooks, uh, quote, I think he's a good dude. I think he's insecure at times. He gets mad at me when I say he's got he got to win a title away he's got to win a title away from the Warriors. End quote. 
Kevin Durant, of course, who hears everything, listens to everything, uh, responded to this comment a day later and said, quote, this clown does not have G14 classification to speak on the God. We've never had a real human interaction. It's insecurity when you on TV and take shots at my character. End quote. Okay, just a couple of things here. And I feel like whenever we have to talk about Kevin Durant, what he says, you always have to like hold it with kitty gloves because his insecurity does shine so bright through everything he says and how he reacts to literally everything from a Charles Barkley, an A-list celebrity star who does have G14 classification because he's also a Hall of Fame and NBA, NBA, NBA career. One of the greatest NBA players of all time, by the way. Yep. Um, all the way from him to your guy that has 14 followers on Twitter, Kevin Durant will take the time and let you know how he feels about what you have to say about him. That is the definition of insecurity. So he actually proves Charles's point correct. Nails it. But second of all, he talks about taking shots at his character. He never took a shot. He, he actually says he thinks you're a good man, a good dude, which is giving you credit. Mm. But then just says, I just think there are times he's a little insecure. That's not a shot. That, that Everybody has flaws. I'm not taking a shot of saying, hey, Trev, man, you know, maybe this and that. You know, maybe I just think sometimes, bro, you care too much about something that may not matter too much. That's not taking a shot at you. An That's observation. an observation. Thank you. That's just him st- basically just having an opinion on you. And when you are a global icon like Kevin Durant, everyone's going to have an opinion on you. I, for some reason, though, being in the line now, now for almost 20 years, Kevin Durant still doesn't understand that concept that you being who you are, being an outwardly vocal person, an opinionated person in yourself – you're going to get people talking about you, especially, like I said, when Charles Barkley is someone who's literally paid millions of dollars to talk about the NBA, and you're it's one of its biggest superstars. And so that was the weird part. But then when you identify yourself as the god, yeah. that, that makes, dude, again, you're only making Charles sound more and more correct. You're calling yourself, first of all, you're talking about yourself in the third person, and then calling yourself the god. What are you, Charlemagne? Like, dude, like, yeah, you gotta chill out with this stuff. And I just think it's really sad that he tries to, he he's talking about taking shots at his character. You're the one name-calling, calling Charles a clown, saying he doesn't have the classification to even talk about you, the god, and then says that because you guys haven't had any, any human interaction. Well, instead of making a quote, how about you call Charles's people and you guys hash it out? If that part matters to you so much about human interaction and you getting this stuff clear and you talking about it, why don't you do the, why don't you do what LeBron did when LeBron had problems with Charles? Charles talked about this on NBA and TNT. LeBron called him and they hashed that shit out. How about you be a man then? If you don't have character flaws, if you don't have these problems, if if what say, what Charles is saying is incorrect. Hit him up, dude. I guarantee you guys have a million mutual friends, a million mutual people that know each other. Hash it out. Or just use one of your burner accounts and jump in the DMs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, why don't you just use your burner for this one? That would made a lot more sense because I'm like, oh, you know what? That guy's making a valid point about Kevin Durant. Not Kevin Durant making a valid point for Kevin Durant. Nevertheless, man, KD, you insecure butthead, do me a solid and hold this L because I love you to death, man. You're one of my favorite players of all time. But it's always something, man. You just can't let anybody ever have an opinion on you. It's just, it's so, so ridiculous. Yeah. I also want to give a W this week. I'm going in reverse order that Trevor did. But I'm going to give a W to us here at the Spoken Podcast. And I really wish Eddie was here because I would love for him to to sit here and enjoy this as well. But we've had a really good year here. Um, We used to be with the network. I'm not going to really go into that. Uh, but we used to be with a network that we trusted with a lot. Did not go well. Promises were made. They were not kept. 
And we were back on our own uh, towards the end of last year slash beginning of this year. And we had a lot of, uh, of things in flux. We weren't doing live stream. We weren't doing video. And I felt like although the podcast was a lot of fun and we were having a lot of fun, we were getting great guests and we were putting out good content, I felt like we could do more. And so I said, I talked to Trev, I talked to Eddie, I talked to Clay. I said, guys, we need to we need to convert back to doing video and let's do it on our own. That was a little scary because we've never done that before. We always had uh, another team, you know, helping us with that stuff. And we decided to take that on ourselves. And in the entire year of 2022, we've had a live stream to offer our viewer, a viewing and listening audience. And I think that's been so great. And we've had nothing but great responses because of it since then. And we've had a lot of great help too. Our guy Clay Windler, I can't thank him enough for what he does for us. Sean and he Clay. just he does it, man, with without any asking for any thanks or any glory he just wants to be a part of this and I, I love that guy to death he's one of my best friends he's a great person and he also does such incredible work outside of this I mean this is child's play compared to what that man does with all of his other work he does Red Tribe Cinema and so yeah. many other things um, but what we do here man is something I obsess over I don't know if I show that enough on the show but I hope I do this show means everything to me the show, the, not even just the show part of it, the the everyday part of it, the the Facebook side, the Twitter side, everything. I I care so much about it, and this year alone, guys, we have grown by the thousands. We have gained over 2,000 people in our Facebook group. And I know other pages and stuff have hundreds of thousands of people, so I'm not trying to sit here and compare ourselves to them. I compare us to us. And last year we had less. We had less than over a thousand, like right at a thousand people. We got three point five thousand people now in our group, and our group is different because it isn't just a bunch of fans on there posting heart emojis and things like that. We have real discussion, raw discussion, mm -hmm. and it's something that I think that even though the number may not be higher than others, the quality of it is what I look at, and I pride ourselves over. And this this year alone, and the year's not even over, by the way, we've already put out forty four episodes. We have over 6,500 minutes of content. There are over five, there, there are people in five different countries that listen to this show every week. And our growing, our viewership and listening uh, viewers, our audience has grown almost 25% from just last year. Oh, yeah. You're damn right I take pride in that. And, and, and the craziest thing is that one of the craziest stats I, I, I was brought it was brought to my attention uh, via Spotify is that in Spotify, we are one of the top 20% most followed podcasts in the sports category. Blew me away. Spotify posted that. And then, uh, obviously, the 22%. But the number that I wanted to put out there that I take pride in the most is us being consistent here and giving you guys something to listen to, watch, and be a part of. Trevor. We have, like I said, including today's show, we've put out over 6,500 minutes, 6,500 minutes of content this year with three more episodes or so to go for this year. That's more than 97% of other creators in sports category. 97%. Think about how all the, all the sports shows that are out there right now, we have we've put out more content this year than 97% of them. That is something I am so proud of, man. I know that there's been shows that may not have been as good as others, and you know we've had lulls because of the offseason, the NFL, and things of that nature, but every single time we do a show like this, my spirits are lifted. I feel better about myself, and to see that people care, well, even people that hate on us. I, I mean, oh, on, I, on Twitter, man, I get the hate all the time, yeah. and, and honestly, I actually appreciate that because that means that, and I don't say this arrogantly, I'm not saying this facetiously, it means that what I say matters. Mm -hmm. 
what we say here matters. Like that's it means a lot to me, man. Going out of your way to say it doesn't matter what you're saying, it matters to them. I mean, yeah, the Twitter following alone has been insane this year, and yes, I I welcome it. But the one thing I always tell you guys, new listeners, new viewers, uh, old listeners, old viewers, everything we say on this show, and Trevor can speak for himself, but everything we say on the show is what we mean. We don't give you guys hot takes just to get clicks. We don't say stupid shit just to say it. If we say stupid shit, it's because that's really what we thought or what we believed. So I wanted to give us a W here, man. And I say we, as in Trevor, Eddie, Clay, all of you guys, all the great listeners and myself, this is this this really does matter. And every show we give you, every episode we give you, every segment, every word, every phrase, everything, we put work into this. But it doesn't feel like it because it's what we love. We all love sports. That's what brought us here together. And as fucking nuts as the world is, to be able to have this is something that I cannot put a price tag on. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. So I hope you guys are enjoying this because we're not going anywhere. This thing is just really getting off the ground. I know the the the, the page has been around for 12 years this this month. And uh, in fact, uh, this this week, it'll be December 6th. It'll be 12 years the Spoken's been together. Um, That's longer than like 95% of marriages, man. <laughs> like... Our, our relationship here at The Spoken is something that has lasted over a decade. That is something I am so proud of. I know that I may have started it, but you guys are the ones that carry this thing, man. I don't even have to go on there and chime in. and I can post stuff, but most of the times, man, I see you guys out here having discussions. I'll see posts that I didn't create, Trevor didn't create, Eddie didn't create, Clay didn't create, and it's got 95 comments on it. Yeah. It's been incredible, man. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for making this what it is because it was something that I had a dream of when I met Nick Wright for the first time and he told me to start my own thing and I went and did it. It's because of you guys that dreams become true. And it's not where I want it to be yet, but it's getting there. And again, that's all credit to you guys. Thank you guys so much. W to all you guys. I love you guys to death and I appreciate that. Go ahead, Trevor. With all that beautiful spiel you just went on, if y'all are feeling froggy, all the people that love us, all the people that continue to grow with us, if you want to go over to the YouTube channel, yeah. feel free to like and subscribe on these videos. Subscribe to our channel for sure. We're trying to build the subscriptions over there. That's where we're trying to make our home base as far as our live streams go. Obviously, we stream on different platforms, but YouTube is the one we're trying to really get in with the algorithm there. Uh, so if you like and you subscribe, that will help us tremendously. So I just wanted to, want to throw that out. 100% agree. Thank you. Thank you for putting that out there. Yeah. And thank you guys for watching and listening, man. It means the 100%. absolute world. And uh, yeah, that's all I really wanted to put out there and just and, and make sure that before the year's up, I like to be a reflective person at times. I like to look back and see what the accomplishments have been. And man, there's been a ton, especially this year. It's been by far our biggest year. And I cannot wait for what 2023 is going to bring us. So for Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, for Trevor Twidwell, for the great Clay Windler that puts all this together, man, he makes this Frankenstein walk. I'm Lance Twidwell, episode 195 of the Spoken Podcast is done, finished, and finito. And until we're here in one week's time to talk about the Chiefs coasting for the rest of the season because they got themselves a big win up in Cincinnati, we out of this bitch. Later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoken. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit.